Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk More Movies, the show where we try and talk about movies but never talk about anything and everything else. I am your host, Michael Breslin. To my left is... Sean Cole. And to my right, filling in for Colm Heron, who's off being successful at the Edinburgh Festival, mm-hmm. is... is Dominic Phelan. Hello. Oh, must name lovely oh. English sultry tones. I know, it sounds so good. <laughs> like, just, thank you very it, much. Makes it sound like shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's only reason I asked him. He's <laughs> like, does he know enough about farms? Who cares? Lots of that voice. Nothing. Voice. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> just, just you sit and talk for an hour, we'll just sit here now. You just just <laughs> look just, at me, dreamy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, we'll just start finding items, you know, like, foodstuffs and all that you can just read the ingredients <laughs> think like a bit podcast yeah. on its own <laughs> Dom's voice <laughs> oh what speaking of reading out ingredients I have danger bottle <laughs> you can you can read this out I'm not definitely oh, and yep. usually Heron puts on like yeah. a really decent voice just do it in your own voice <laughs> I've heard that okay I'll see if I can live up to the, this, the legend this, this week's danger bottle it cost me four ninety three. Ooh, seven p under. I know. I, I like the the odyssey of the fucking. I don't get that with shops. Why you make it? Just round it up. <laughs> it's just it's changed line about my fucking pocket. Then I don't want it anyway. But it is. Oh, it looks very fancy. Coconut Bay. Ooh. It's a, a coconut rum, basically as this version of Malibu. I fucking love Malibu. <laughs> I'm really excited about this. <laughs> but yeah, there's a thing. <laughs> There's a thing on the back. Just, just you give it a wee read there. <laughs> just from the top. From the top. Asked Dehydrated the... pineapple extract. Oh. <laughs> it's sold. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. A fermented and distilled alcoholic drink with the flavour of coconut and rum. What does it taste like? An elegant, smooth alcoholic drink <laughs> with a distinctive Caribbean taste. It's a bit flying off a shelf. <laughs> <laughs> what does it go with? Enjoy neat over ice or blend with freshly squeezed fruit juices and crushed ice in a highball glass. Where is it from? Europe. <laughs> <laughs> Just general Europe. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's not even from the Caribbean we've involved. <laughs> Open brackets, Holland. Close uh, brackets. Okay. <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> Storage. Store at a cool, dry place out of direct sunlight. <laughs> <laughs> Suitable for vegetarians. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 
Uh, what's the percent on that, Bubba? The percentage is 15%. Ooh, right, 15. I feel pretty strong. Well, under a five or two. I know. Not a bad oh, person. Lovely stuff. You need to give me up the ass, <laughs> <laughs> I love how we've moved away from Tesco, too. Wait, wait. Them. Tesco has been tapped for danger bottles, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, there's still a few ones on there. Okay. We still have to get that quirky bird stuff. Oh, That's still quirky bird. Really, really enticing. Go ahead, Dom. You, you can have the first sip since you did a lovely reading there. It reminded Thank me you. of, like, uh, Bob Moran, Lost in Translation, Santori times. That, that could be just. <laughs> You flatter me. <laughs> What's the verdict? Is it just Malibu? Yeah, I could, I could drink that for a night. Yeah, <laughs> quite happy with that. Let me taste this. I don't I, thankfully, ever had Malibu a couple of times. Very so I don't for I think you've done very well, Michael. It's oh, very sweet. Really. No, it is, it is just Malibu. Is it? But unless it's just, it's I don't think I've ever just drank straight Malibu. Uh, no, I know, you can't even drink it in a tuna, bro, but I'm just told you. <laughs> there's like drinking a 10p mix. It really is. Mm. That's like, fucking lovely. It's <laughs> so nice, isn't it? It's so, so good. We, we, said, we said last week we're taking it too easy with the danger bottles. They're too nice. I <laughs> know, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, well. And fair enough, right? We got the cherry sours from Scruff last week. That was tasty, but that rice wine, that dad. Christ alive, that was should, fucking geez. horrendous. You should try soju then. That's even worse soju? than sake. Yeah, that's the Korean version. We'll get on that next week if we can find it. And there that is. Soju. Soju. Yeah, fuck it. We will. Uh, what was I going to say to... Ah, just uh, the... Hark back there, uh, old old friend Calm here. Where is it? That's down the floor. Hark back there, old friend Calm here, and he's usually here. He's off at the Ember Fringe Festival. Uh, directing a play that's what I was thinking right? he's going to come back next week and he's going to be like too big for us and stuff he's going to land on here with a berry and a pair of sunglasses on with a uh, PR man <laughs> <laughs> just, just give him one word answers <laughs> staring off into the corner like we have a meeting with a PR man beforehand there's like a list of questions we can't ask them. <laughs> he has a writer and stuff yeah, he refuses to drink the danger bottle <laughs> his writer's just fucking Ten decks of those beer special. That's the, <laughs> the three pound ones on a Tesco. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, another thing I want to bring up before we go and do what we watched is uh, uh, after last week's podcast, <clears throat> some of the eagle-eared uh, listeners might have noticed that Geo didn't actually do a topic on mm. the main podcast, and that's because he he had come up with some games. And stuff that he wanted to play, so we knew it would go too long on the main podcast. So Sex we were. Games. We, <laughs> Sex <laughs> games. That's so, why uh, I'm podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All sorts of crazy things going up in this tent. <laughs> so we did less talk more movies after hours, which just goes more into what you said. <laughs> makes it sound <laughs> even worse. After, after. <laughs> but yeah, so so we recorded an, another thing play, playing his sex games <laughs> right after last week's podcast and. No, why would you do more sex? Nobody will turn on that. Oh, everybody will hook people we'll in. You get more people in. Yeah. Yeah. Always promise them sex. <laughs> Everyone loves sex. Poor langers, just. But yeah, so uh, that should be going up uh, in the middle of next week. So look out for it. Check it out. It was a lot of fun. Just keep your major sheets. It, it might not even go up. It depends if I get it edited. <laughs> There's a lot of drunk, drunken rambling Don't be in there. We tease them with our sex games, Michael. Okay, so what what have you watched this week? Uh, watched a good lot of stuff. I can't really decide what they talk about this week because I've watched like kind of like a wide variety of stuff. Uh, watched Cinema Paradiso. Not going to go on there because it's one of the all time best films ever made. So if you haven't seen it, give it a watch. Unbelievable show. It's uh, obviously about uh, nostalgic look at uh, you know about Cinema Paradiso. Yeah. 
Have you seen it? No. Right, well, anyway, watch it. <laughs> uh, I'll just give a brief synopsis. It's a nostalgic look at this young boy's life. He's grown up in Sicily, just outside of Palermo or something like that. This small rural town, I think it's like the 50s or 60s, is that father's died in the war. So this surrogate dad uh, kind of comes along in, in the form of the, the, the old guy who kind of runs the, the local cinema. And he takes him under his wing and they teach him about film and love and life and stuff like that. And it's just really, it's, it's just a really beautiful film. And then he, he leaves and becomes very successful. But the, the guy who runs the cinema tells him they, they never come back because he's too good for the place. Because it's a really, you know, two horse fucking town. Like it's a shithole of town. So uh, then eventually well, the guy it's, dies. It's better than all them one horse towns. <laughs> 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 you ever heard of a no horse town? <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, he says never come back and then eventually the, the, the guy dies and he comes back for his funeral and it's just him kind of revisiting it but it's just a really nice look it's kind of like a love letter to cinema too it's got the, it's, there's a really famous scene at the end uh, where like it's it's this uh, collage of uh, movie cases throughout the ages too and it's not really spoiling anything because I think it's that famous a scene that uh, I'm not really dishing any spoilers another thing I watched this week is uh, The Age of Adeline you heard about that? No. Just released this oh. year. Oh. Blake Lively and me. I think it's me. I, I think it's just Michael, but it's Michael Husseman. He's uh, Dario Harris from Game of Thrones. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, it was released. Er, I didn't hear much about Is it. Is that the one she doesn't age? Yes. Yeah. It's a sense. It's like a kind of. Oh, it's, it's not really like Benjamin Button at all because Benjamin Button does age, but yeah, he ages back. But she just doesn't age. There's this kind of overly convoluted. Like, like Wolverine. Yeah, like Wolverine. That he's <laughs> only she doesn't have claws and she's not really violent. But. It's, is she still a child or has she grown up? No, she's like, I'd say she's roughly around like 27, 28. Oh, right. Uh, she grew till she was hot and then stopped. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Usually seems to be the way with these films. Yeah, yeah. No. You ever have someone like stop aging when they're like 63 or something? Like <laughs> really past their peak. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Blake Lively, up until now, I've only really, I know she was in Gossip Girl, which I didn't watch. And I've only ever seen her in a time, which is a, a kind of a part role. So I didn't really know what to expect of her. I don't know if she was a good actress, bad actress, but I heard good reports. She's fucking she's really, she's excellent on it. The only thing I don't like about the film, it is a really solid film. It really hooks you in. Beautifully shot. Uh, the whole concept of her not being able to age, but then like her daughter is like 80, but she's still 28. That's a really interesting concept. And how she's constantly on the run, because obviously if she's if this is found out, then you know, the government will take her away and experiment on her or something like that. And that's all that hooks you in. And then she falls in love as these films often tend to do with uh, Michael Husseman's character really successful guy and they start to have a lot then they go uh, to Michael Husseman's parents house so she can meet the parents and etc etc and Harrison Ford is Michael Husseman's father and then there's there's a bunny of plot twist there which I won't spoil because it, it kind of comes out of nowhere but it's really really good and it hooks you in the only thing I don't like about the film is there's an overly contrived end just to make it a happy story and for me the whole thing can can be a what? happy ending surely if you'd lived forever like that you'd just get so morose precisely and, yeah. and this this is what the film is really good at doing like the whole way up throughout the film it's really good at, at this sort of examination of how she can't age and how everybody around her has died and she can't get close to anybody and she she there's a good line that she's loved forever but never actually had a life and it's, it's a pretty good line yeah. oh, that's good and, and that's a really really good concept but then it's just, and I don't want to spoil it. It is a good film, but it's just spoil band, so definitely watch it. But it, there's just, it, it's just, there's a tacked on end there, just to make it, uh, just to, to, to make it fit nicely with, with the kind of romance story, I'll say. And what's not nice also is that 
even the film itself seems they realise when they're doing it <laughs> the, the explanation is that over the top they're like fuck it just chuck it in there like, you know, like, <laughs> but it does it's it's spoiled it for me because up until then I would have given it you know, a definite solid 4 out of 5 but it just uh, it cheapened it a bit can, can I can I guess what the the thing was with Harrison Ford go right so possible spoilers for Age Adeline <laughs> Did she bang Harrison Ford and she's the one? Got him one. Yes! Yeah. Can, I, can I guess at the ending as well? Go. Does she perform ritualistic seppuka or whatever those Japanese samurai used to do where she just guts herself? <laughs> <laughs> Harry Curie? Are you gets, talking about? Gets her husband, Harry, whatever it's called, and gets her husband as he's dying just to behead her after just so <laughs> she finally ends it. I just like, a sweet get, release of death. Dom on from now on. <laughs> Left field finales with Dom. <laughs> well, it gives it a happy ending. She's finally. That's a fucking horrifying. <laughs> happy for her though. All in all, Dom, you're not even close. <laughs> I watched Mission Impossible four and five this week. Did you watch Mission Impossible five last week? No, it was due. Ah, jeez, that's right, Dom. Sorry, you. What did you think of Mission Impossible five? Due said it was a, a put your brain in the pickle jar <clears throat> sort of one. Um, well, it was. I think it's just more your stance on them kind of films. I mean, I really enjoy them films. Like, so I'll, I think it's a bit insulting when they say like, "I'll oh, put your brain in the pickle jar" kind of thing. It's just if you enjoy them, you enjoy no, them. No, but I mean, like, it's just, it's just uh, you can't like you can just. Lie I know. Back I, you don't I, I know. Too I know what people are saying. I just think it's a bit mean to say that about films. But uh, no, yeah, I really enjoyed it. A lot of some similarities between four and five. I feel not in a bad way. Just kind of like. They they kind of have they know what they're doing with it now and they're going to run with it kind of. It's not a bad thing either. Yeah, exactly. Because they seem to have their structure pretty tight with those films now. Like, ah, uh, it's pretty damn good. And uh, just a couple a couple of things that you was saying last week about uh, like like uh, all Jeremy Renner stuff looks like it's on a green st- screen and stuff. Like that. I didn't see any of that whatsoever. That's why Gio won't be back. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's no there's one there's one scene in particular that it does kind of look like maybe it's green screen because there's a helicopter in the background and stuff with him and Van Grimes. But everything else, I don't really know what he was going on. About. Like not um, they, not they slag off Gio, but just like I didn't pick I didn't pick up. Calling out the listener? No, no, no. It's just I didn't pick up what he was picking up, and because he said it was distracting for him, it's like I'm just saying it didn't distract me, and it didn't like kind of ruin the film for me or take me out of the film. Do you realize that Joe's our PR guru? I know. <laughs> he, he could, we could have a resignation letter coming through. He <laughs> can shut the shit down. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they just all know what they're doing. You know what I mean? They know what they, and not in a bad way. Like they know they know what Mission Impossible is. And they, they're just giving you more of it, you know what I mean? I think I definitely know what you're saying too because uh, Mission Impossible definitely has a structure down. They know exactly what they are doing. And like you were saying, the thing that people like about those films is, you know, they kind of death defying stunts and, and, and people are even more interested because, you know, there's an awareness of Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks again? I said Tom Hanks again! <laughs> Tom Cruise! I've done this last week. The Tom Cruise uh, does his own stunts. And they just do that really, really fucking well. You filter me your phone, which I'm making a point. Very no, good. no, no. Um, look up the girl's name. Rebecca Ferguson, who's uh, the main female lead in it. She is fucking class in it. Really? She's 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 kind of come out of nowhere as well. Why? Yeah, I've never she hasn't, really. she hasn't done many films. She did that Hercules film with The Rock. Oh dear. Oh. Career killer. But, uh, she's, no, she's... She's just very attractive to look at, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> If I can, if I remember, I watched p- part of The Rock. There's just sort of running around in sort of leather, oh, okay. leather pants all the time, aren't they? In Hercules. Well, in this, she's or run, she's just got she's a toga run. on with pretty much nothing else underneath. Or whatever. Well, in this, she's running around so with a dress like cut right up there, fucking hip like. But 
no, but not after her shit. <laughs> no. But no, she she is really good in it, and the relationship between her and Tom Cruise, it's not even like a romantic one. It's it's more they kind of see each other in themselves, like. They're both agents and they both kind of they're doing the same thing. Yeah, you know. So there's uh, a mutual respect there. Aye, and it's just I really like that. That's like they, they don't spoilers. They don't kiss or anything. Oh like Christ, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a thing that I hate most about any film that's near enough ever been made. How most films feel the need to crowbar a romance oh, in there yeah. where it's just there's not needed. Some sort of simmering sexual tension. Exactly. Yeah, and it just because you've seen it literally in almost every fucking film you've ever watched in your life, so there's no need for it. And it just takes away from the actual focus of the plot, which is usually really good up until then. Yeah. And then just oh let's put a subplot on there just to dilute the film a bit. Anyway. No, but she 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 wasn't used that way. Like she she was the plot basically. Like it was it all kind of revolved around her. And I, there, there was no kind of sex. Well, maybe there's been a sexual tension because they're both two very attractive people I'm, walking at each other. I'm just, <laughs> getting, I'm just getting the t- rogue nation. So she's an agent who's went rogue as us. No. All right. What's well, the no. He has well, to rescue her. No. Well, no. The rogue nation part is that there's this a secret organization called the Syndicate, who's they call Simon Pegg as a terrible line. It's like the anti IMF. Oh <laughs> so my say, god! When he says it, oh Jesus Christ! It's right? a really badass Bankiman. <laughs> There, there is a really weird but just to know that you brought up the villain that uh, Tom Cruise it's, it's not really a spoiler but so if you don't want to hear anything stop listening just do this part keep on listening later on but uh, <laughs> no but there is a part where Tom Cruise first sees the the main villain of the film and uh, so he, he does this sketch of him who is the main villain just sorry to interrupt I can't even mind the actor's name no follow up Seymour Hoffman though no they never will be They'll never top three, but anyway. I know three is still my favorite. Well. I'd say four and five are on par with each other, though. But uh, no, he, he does this sketch of of the villain, right? And uh, and then he, so he's he's searching for months to try and track him down to get him kind of thing. And uh, he's probably sh- like one of your French villains. <laughs> 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 but uh, no, but then he, there's this whole big thing with Simon Pegg, and but he shows Simon Pegg the the picture of the sketch he did. He's like, do you, do you know who? Like, can you see, like, do you know this man or like, have you seen this man? Kind of thing. This, the picture looks exactly like Simon. <laughs> 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 it's just like, as did nobody realized making this film, that is a picture of Simon. Because <laughs> <laughs> even when you first see the villain, he does look like an older version of Simon, like Simon Pegg's dad or something. Like when you see him a bit more in in the film, and then he doesn't actually look like that. But uh, it's just so weird. Like, the sketch looked exactly like Simon Pegg. It just didn't make sense. Fun fact of the day, Simon Pegg's actual dad plays the drums. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I just love a chocolate on there for your delight. But yeah, the the thing I would say about moving forward with Mission Impossible is that I hope they don't get stuck in the thing of, like, in 4 and 5 now, they've, both, they've done it both that IMF is basically disbanded. Like, in 4, like, they had a go ghost protocol kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then 5, like... Alec Baldwin's character is trying to get them to shut down so they're they're dealing with like uh, it's just the four of them basically the team and that's it like so they don't have all their backup and all their gadgets and all their kind of crack yeah. and you get why they do that because it kind of depowers them a bit so it makes them a bit more exciting or whatever but I just it reminds me of uh, did any of you watch 24? Nah never 24 Ye- only the first one a long time ago uh, well you see what happened in 24 is after the fourth series Jack was done with CTU, so for five, six, seven, and eight, they always had to come up with a excuse why he would come back. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it just got really to that fucking tired. It just like, seems really contrived, basically. Yeah. And so I hope they don't get into a thing where oh no, IMF kind of has to be away. Like, 
Like, I hope in the next one, like, they have IMF back proper and they're just doing a fucking mission or something. Dan, what did you watch this week? I watched three films this week. Um, two comedy films and one serious film. Sack a serious one? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll talk about a serious one. That was my favourite one by far. I watched Sex Tape with Cameron Diaz and... Jason, Jason the Seagull. Jason the Seagull. Have you have you seen it? No, it looked terrible. Though. I checked out on uh, the IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. It wasn't scoring very highly. <laughs> now I I won't watch anything above a six on IMDb. You won't. You won't. <laughs> no, uh, I mean below a six oh, okay. generally. Six seems to be the the level. Yeah. Once you go down I that deep and dark world of the fives and the fours yeah. you know you're in trouble like between between sort of six and eight there's a huge there's a huge, huge gap, gap. Yeah. but between six and five is very small however i kind of enjoyed it really? right maybe maybe i was in the mood i don't know i'd just come back <laughs> from, from what maybe, <laughs> i'd just come back from holiday and i i was struggling and <laughs> i slept for 13 hours the night before so i was finally refreshed <laughs> like the just was really surprised he was just looking for an actual sex thing. But I found the funniest uh, part of the film was where is their supporting characters are more funny. Uh, where Rob Lowe is in it, and when they go to his house, oh, I actually mind him from the trailer. He seemed really funny. That, they, do that, they do cocaine and stuff? And yes, they do. <laughs> we'll try not try not to spoil it for her because it's oh, kind of funny when he pulls it out, and then you know Paul's that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, doing any others? And then. You, that whole section of the film was kind of funny it made me laugh and I watched another comedy film and I've, I've actually forgotten the name of it which is oh, My Dog Jolly or They Killed My Dog Jolly what? Huh? Never heard we could, is this a snuff film? no no it's, it's, boys it's got all? Oscar Isaacs in it uh, Oscar Isaacs? what? we're all about the Oscar Isaac up on here Chris, Kristen Wig or Kirsten Wig? Yeah, uh, Kristen Wig. Elijah Wood is in it. Yeah. And it was just last year, and I thought, oh, this could be quite funny. But I just, I don't know. Towards the end, you know, your hand starts drifting towards your phone. Yeah. You're just looking around on yeah, your phone. And, and, and as, uh, as we dubbed it many, many podcasts ago, a key jangler. Just a film key that jangler, yeah. catches your attention for the first 30, 40 minutes, and then you start to flip over the keys, flip over the phone. Revenge for Jolly. Revenge for Jolly. And it, it, it <laughs> killed it, my dog, Jolly. Yeah, it came, <laughs> really it was, it was, It's quite funny, you know, there's a, a guy who is he's really mad about his dog and I'm really mad about my dog so I could sympathise and yeah. if somebody killed my dog I'd, I'd be fucking rich I'd, yeah. be, I'd be really upset a but better it, killing dog it, film is John Wick yeah. John Wick <laughs> he goes really over the top about his dog being killed <laughs> well no I think it's adequate <laughs> I love my dogs but I wouldn't go and murder about 300 men <laughs> I would yeah okay fair enough if I was an ex-assassin. <laughs> John Wick, is that... Um, Kenny Reeves. Uh, I've seen a part of that, but I didn't see all of it. It's a really fucking good film. Um, yeah. So what was your serious film? The serious film was The Homesman. The Homesman? The Homesman. That came out last year, directed by Clint Eastwood. I think it won the Palm Duel, or was nominated for it. Yeah. It's a joint... American French made film right and it's set in the 1840s 1850s but it's it's basically just uh, like a western but yeah. not not cowboys and Indians as such it's more it's got a western aesthetic this yeah and the characters basically yeah it's, it's the pioneer community is trying to set itself up free there's like a bad harvest no it was directed by Tommy Lee Jones Tommy it was actually directed by Tommy Lee Jones yeah it's oh. Tommy Lee Jones 
Okay. He's fallen down Western Tommy Lee Jones. Mm-hmm. Aye. He done that three burials. Oh. Aye, it was, I was going to say, I, was I can't like, never remember the name. Directed Spanish directed name. Well, eh? Yeah, he directed that too, yeah. Now I understand his character more. Better now that I... That he's arrived. Yeah. But what do you think? Good, anyway. I really enjoyed that film. I really enjoyed it. Sorry, he also has a tri- uh, film in development they direct. It's called The Cowboys. <laughs> so he is fond of Western. Loves getting that out Stetson on. But uh, I definitely I'll check out. What, what's kind of the, the, the gist of the plot? Well, when I read, uh, I started watching the film with my auntie and my cousin at the time, and they can they couldn't stomach it. Your cousin anymore? No, <laughs> she's not my cousin anymore. <laughs> I've disowned her. She couldn't she couldn't handle it. She's too weak. Too weak. Um, so I had a look. Uh, <laughs> I had a look about it, and they were trying to market market it as a. A feminist film now i wouldn't say it's very overtly feminist or it has any sort of feminist message to it yeah. however it's about a pioneering woman who has to take free women back east to iowa so i'm presuming they're somewhere in i don't know the badlands of montana or wyoming somewhere yeah. up and they've got to go five weeks journey back across the missouri river to where the sort of nearest sort of fringe of american civilization ends because obviously it's still the 19th century most of that area is still run by lakota indians or pawnee indians or whatever Uh, i should say native americans not indians Uh, and it i just i really i really enjoyed hillary swank's character i really sort of yeah i really really now she's she plays like a plain dowdy woman but she's not plain or dowdy at all and she's and you think oh she's supposed to be like a, a super feminist woman but she's just a woman just yeah. trying to trying to do her thing in her time and you really fall for her character as they head back east and they do have clips really sort of hard clips because these three women they take that they've lost their minds yeah. the the babies die and one of them believes she's god and the husbands are you know they're at their wits end but they're doing it in very much a 19th century style so there's there's a quote by uh i quote one of the men he goes people sorry okay. people like to talk about death they like to talk about their taxes but when people talk about crazy they just shut their mouths and they, they, they just try to hush it up you know when somebody's yeah. obviously seriously mentally ill and the whole story back between i mean tommy lee jones's character is a sort of very typical sort of redemption style character yeah. But you really fall for Hilary Swank's character, Mary Mary Bell Cuddy, uh, and, <laughs> and I re- you, you, you put a wee, uh, Western twang on the end there. No, I've actually put on a, a sort of a Donna Manor sort of Ulster Scots twang. Cuddy, <laughs> maybe Cuddy. <laughs> <laughs> don't use that voice. <laughs> we like your actual voice. <laughs> don't become us. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't follow me. <laughs> whenever I hear the word Cuddy, I just have to say it like that. Right? I'll definitely check out. I want. Oh, sounds sweet. One thing I was going to say. Just uh, when you were talking about that, was is the homesman? The homesman, yes. The homesman, I'll definitely check out tomorrow because Sunday's maybe like film day where I could get through at least five. Mm. <laughs> at least five? I'd, I'd see if I don't watch like four, at least four films on a Sunday, I'd be raging with myself. Mm. Unless I have stuff to do, like see my family or something, you know, important things. <laughs> but I mean, if I'm just lying about the house, usually my hangover day, I'll just get the biggest bags of crisps you've ever seen and just <laughs> not move from the sofa whatsoever. Netflix all the way. But anyway, uh, feminist films. I think that see any time there's a strong because there's this big argument in Hollywood about there's a, a, a real lack of, of strong female roles in Hollywood and there's not a lot of good parts for actresses and I, I definitely agree with it but one thing I do find really patronising is that 
any time a film comes out that has a strong female lead, it's like, oh, it's a really, it's a really good feminist film. But I think that a lot of it should go out saying because there should just be more of these films yeah, out there. You shouldn't it's have like, to it's, say it's almost it like a pat in the head. Yeah, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have to vindicate it because uh, it just should, it, it should go out saying like, oh, fair play to this woman for for being strong and, and taking control of her own life and being independent. I, I don't know. I, it just it it it's, it gripes me sometimes when I do see that. There's a there's a really good video I've seen online. It's a uh, Joss Whedon. He's I think he's accepted an award or something. It's like at some writers thing. But uh, he gives a speech about like obviously people always say about Joss Whedon. He he writes strong female characters yeah. and all say. So he just gives a speech about journalists always ask him like oh like how do you write strong female characters or what what do you think influences you do write strong female characters on. And he just went through all his different answers he's gone through over time and stuff. And eventually, he makes the same point you make. is like, I just write characters. Yes. They happen to be women, kind of. Mm. Precisely. And it's a very good video. You should try and look it up. I have no idea how you look it up through my description. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> just type, Joss Whedon, speech, woman. <laughs> Joss Whedon, rogue spice. Uh, you should be able to find it. I'm just, you know, you, you, you're smart guys and gals. <laughs> oh, I thought you were making a point about feminism. <laughs> <laughs> making a point about feminism. I only man, listen to this show. <laughs> no, I, I say guys just for people. Like I don't, I don't there you never go. really showing you as an, again a feminist in your own way. Exactly. Anyway, we have to go on the news, baby. News. Uh, okay, so uh, Sony Pictures have announced their slate till 2017. So I'm just going to run through just the films that they've given, given dates for. And just holla at me if you want to talk about something. Money Monster, no clue what that is. <laughs> the Shallows. Uh, yeah, it's pre- I think that's just a summary for all the films they've made. Just <laughs> <laughs> Very good, I like it. Um, Ghostbusters. So that's uh, July 15th, 2016. That's, that's getting out. a lot of flack. I mean, that's uh, because obviously they, they released. I funnily enough, we bring that up when we're talking about feminism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all, all female Ghostbusters. All enough, that it's actually yeah, definitely the, the perfect link. Just talking about feminism, and that is getting so much flack because they choose to go with an all female cast, and that in itself just screams volumes of how fucking backward Hollywood could be, and how you know there's there's definitely a problem there that when they recreate a franchise, that okay is a beloved franchise, and it was an all male cast to begin with. I think fair play to them. They're trying to put a really, really different spin on it. Mm. Four really talented actresses, especially really talented. Well, I've, I've no, t- Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig, I've, I've seen a lot of their work, so I know that they're very talented. The other two, I've only heard good things about. They're but SNL people, aren't they? I though? think they are from SNL. I, but when they've tried to do that now, I mean, Hollywood constantly gets this abuse for not trying these new things, and then now when they actually have that, there's just so much backlash yet. And this backlash, again, has come off one photograph. It's that photo. Have you seen the press photo of them all standing in their new costumes? Oh, yeah. I thought that was more about costumes, though. <laughs> I, I think it's more just about the kind of. Well, they're not wearing those sort of overall type no, jumpsuit they are, things anymore. They're wearing those. Like enough for, I, I mean, like, I'm not going to. I don't like. I, I think the, the new costumes do look shit. I don't get the, the two lines going across the top of them. It just looks pointless. I don't know. It's, it's they, They're trying to spice it up visually, and it just doesn't work. But that's besides the point. Can can somebody pull it up on a picture? So yeah, definitely. Yeah. We, can get, we can get it up perfectly. But. Uh, oh. Oh, after hours, but it's uh, I I don't know. I'm I'm excited about that. I I, I think that it's going to be very very interesting. I'm not quite sure if it's going to be good or not, but I just like the direction that they're actually taking. And, and for once, Hollywood has has actually took a risk on song, especially song that that is so kind of held well, and, and is, such. Is it really a risk though? Because a lot of Hollywood films they just do remakes of things now. Anyway, the, no, I'm not. I'm not saying so much. Obviously, you're going to watch your childhood 
favourite. Yeah, it is just a standard remake. I'm not saying it's a Ruskin that way, but the, the cast for Hollywood, I'm not saying, because a lot of people would have seen this as a bad thing, which is ridiculous, and it's going back to a feminism thing, that casting four women and, and the roles that were so iconic, you know, created by men. But I, I, I love that. Like, you know, I think it's it's a really good thing, and, and it could make for a, a well, really interesting watch. But the, the director as well, it's, it's Paul Feig, like, and he, yeah. he, he just likes working with... I think he just likes hanging about Melissa McCarthy because <laughs> she seems to just do everything. Well, so let's see, uh, The Heat, Spy, um, Bridesmaids. Bridesmaids, yeah. Right. Are you looking at the photo there? What's going on? Well, they've, yeah, they've made, I think they've made it very clear that they're not trying to be sexual with their outfits at mm. all. <laughs> Did you but think it was going to be like a sex single Well, <laughs> you know, you never know. Yeah. But <laughs> so, That's like something you would see in a really, really cheap Halloween shop. <laughs> sex single Sex single <laughs> It's just a proton pack, not else. <laughs> <laughs> and a pair of knickers with the little ghost just on the front there. Sleeper! <laughs> oh, oh, no. That, is, that oh. has different connotations. Um, okay, so here, we'll move on with uh, Sony Slater. Uh, next one is Patient Zero. Uh, do you know what that is? It's no. uh, an, a, some sort of pandemic outbreak type film. Yes. This is Patient Zero. They're but tracking no, it down. It's, it was Patient it's, Zero. It's, it's Aaron. <laughs> But it it sounds really weird. It's Matt Smith, aka Doctor Who, and uh, strange looking man. Yes, yeah, he, strange looking man. That that hair had his ears for years oh. until he fucking shaved. See when he got them ears out, no longer a sex symbol. Make days on by. But uh, no, it's Matt Smith, and I there's there's like a epidemic, and they just call him the infected. But I think he's already infected. Is, it, is a, it a zombie? It, it's essentially zombies. But, zombie but the, I don't like this. to move away now from like knock. I know it's like it's it's almost like a, a cliche or, or homage to earlier zombie films where you never actually hear the word zombie in a zombie film. Yeah. Like Shaun the Dead plays it up like Aye. I think uh, Nick Frost, uh, Ed, sorry, don't, says don't say that. Don't don't, don't say, say this, Edward. Yeah. But I've, it's it's almost like people are going to Halloween and it's like infected or it's a viral thing. I I, I think the new uh, now Simon Pegg has actually wrote an article about this. I dislike the new trend of the kind of the viral rage infected zombies that are really quick and run almost like kind of rabid and, and instinctively. Give me some classic zombies any day. The slow movement, those ones. I mean, yes, but they pose less of a threat. They do, because yeah. they're slower and they're easier to kill. But I don't know. I don't know. 24, no, 28, 28 days. 28 days later. Yeah. Whenever Not I watched, 28 days. <laughs> whenever I watch that film, I still get a nightmare from it. And I very rarely get nightmares. Even now, as a fully yeah. grown man. Just that, <laughs> that, that scene where, towards the end, where Gillian Murphy, he lets out, the, the soldier that they've got yeah. chained up in the mansion and he appears up at the window that scene still like I watch the film and then I'll wake up that night Crying. and imagine someone's at the window like, trying to get in like, with the red eyes <laughs> but, um, <laughs> well that's no, just how we <laughs> but going back to what you were saying they never say zombies that's what I've it, it was kind of refreshing but it made me laugh as well watching World War Z as soon as the outbreak happens, like, oh, Jesus, it's zombies. You know what I mean? like, <laughs> straight away, they're like, oh, a bunch of zombies out here. Like. I rewatched that recently because it's just been out on Netflix. Really underappreciated when I came out. See on a second watch. Yeah, it's actually a very, very good film. I enjoyed it. It's it's a good film, but it diverts a lot from the book because I read the I book. I will, but the book is, is the book not just like a series of journals? It's like a survival yes, guide yes. sort of thing. Yeah. And there, so there are a few really references that. to, you know, where he's flying in the plane. He's coming back from Korea or China because yeah. that's where they reference his patient zero was somewhere in China, and he sees a, an atomic bomb going off. Yeah. In the book, there's basically India and Iran, or no, India and Pakistan, or Pakistan mm. and Iran, go at it because 
Iran or Pakistan are trying to hold off the, the zombie horde this time. So some fight breaks out and eventually someone drops a, a nuclear bomb. See, so you it, see that as he's flying over. I think there was a lot of flag that, and we'll, we'll go back obviously to the page there in a minute. I think there was a lot of flag that World War Z is, or World War, I always say World War Z, World War Z. Uh, I'm not American. Uh, I always say World War Z. I always say Z, but yeah, World War Z. Uh, there was a lot of flag too because that was a long time production. That went through like a bit of a development hell for they a long time. Had, yeah, and they I had think to that change the ending. The, yeah, the more time that that went on and the longer it kind of drug out. I think the real diehard fans of the book were expecting more of it and were expecting it to be, you know, exactly like the book and then when it diverted from it so much, I think that just rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Did, but did did you ever notice in that film though that Matthew Fox is in like the background of a scene Aye. for like for I think it's just one scene because he actually had a bigger part in the film but he's completely cut out. <laughs> does, does he play some sort of military man? Yeah. I think I remember seeing him in that. I yeah. know because apparently there was going to be like some kind of subplot where like he was trying to get off with Brad Pitt's wife or something like that. Air, they bastard. But they 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 caught it. But that that film like they had to go back like for and completely shoot like the second half or the third bit of the film. Mm. Like, I know they completely changed it. Yeah, it was a big strain from what I read. Report big strain on Brad Pitt because not only was he the the lead actor but it's also plan B it's his production uh, company and he put a lot of time invested a lot of time and that and I him and the director hated each other as well did they, they? Did, I they didn't, didn't get on during right I didn't know that at all old enough you just brought up a uh, a previous Doctor Who Matt Smuff there's a kind of a funny but a, of trivia for Whovians or people who are in the Doctor Who they're obviously Peter Capaldi the, the yeah. current Doctor is in that film as a scientist but he works for a company called Who so he's a doctor for who and then yeah, I think he's a it was who doctor I think, yeah, he's a who doctor <laughs> and, and then I think like a month after that he was announced as Doctor, doctor Who and yeah. he was head of a Doctor Who fan club back when he was younger yeah, as well, right? did, did. Uh, well he's a massive Doctor yeah. Who yeah. yeah but anyway off Doctor Who there's plenty of Doctor Who podcasts out there uh, so Matt Smith aka Doctor Who's in this one <laughs> 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 no uh, just the thing I wanted to say about Patience Zero was that uh, it's uh, the infected and stuff but Matt Smith has this ability to be able to talk the language of the infected so he can actually communicate with the infected people I'm sorry that so, sounds awful so it's about him trying to find patient zero yeah. he can talk to, he can so talk to zombies so he's well, a, no but they're not zombies that's the thing he's a zombie whisper essentially yeah. but it's <laughs> anyway, <laughs> fucking awful the anyway, zombie we'll move on it's kind of like uh, what's I Am Legend where yeah. again the, that diverts away from the book if you've ever read the book of I, I I've heard of the book that I, he actually talks to the. Well, no, he realizes that he is. I don't want to. Have you ever know about? I don't okay, want to spoil it. Just say spoilers, and you're fine. Okay, it's a spoiler. And it's been this out for a spoiler, fucking ages. Yeah. You haven't seen I Am Legend. He, what are you doing? The, the, the reason about the book. Well, yeah, it's spoil the book. If the reason it's called <laughs> I Am Legend is because he realizes while he's killing all these zombies, whatever they are, oh, he's he's doing. he's the bogeyman. Of he their, is the legend. Yeah, he's the bogeyman of the little zombie. I know the, the more I hear about the actual book of I Am Legend I wish they would do a more direct adaptation yes, of it because it sounds me. really fucked up <laughs> like, well I mean like they, they, they pretty much did the, the Omega Man is kind of yeah, that's that's kind of uh, stays structured of the book you ever seen the Omega Man with Charlton Heston that no, was the original no. adaptation of, of, of I Am Legend I, there's, oh, there's actually been like four or five adaptations the Omega Man was yeah it was kind of the biggest one before yeah. I Am Legend uh, also, just I know we're going off on fucking some serious tangents here, but just to right. talk about uh, fuck it, that's the whole part of this podcast. Uh, just talk about I Am Legend too. Never have I seen a film 
that is fucking... You haven't seen it for. <laughs> no. I've been doing some serious bluff in the past 15 you, weeks. You know what, Chad? <laughs> I'd believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Just cloth notes and all stuff. Yeah. Never actually watched anything. Uh, cloth notes on Wikipedia. That's how I made my money. But uh, I am Legend. Uh, never have seen a film that is so, so fucking good for like the first hour and ten minutes. And then it just dips. It just shits the bed. It just shits the bed. <laughs> that definitely should be a topic that I come back to at some point. Films that are really good up to a point, they just shit the bed in the middle. Like, But yeah. I Am Legend was the one that was most pronounced to me because I was really, really into that film. And then, you know what it was? I think it was the infected, just a really cheap CG. The infected in that film, especially when they're running towards Will Smith, they look like animations out of like a fucking PlayStation 1 game. It's <laughs> really poorly done. Yeah. Anime, or, sorry, not animation, CG in that film. But anyway continue okay we'll move on well okay next after patient zero we're doing sony slate update 2017 by the way <laughs> it's gonna be a long podcast we'll try and burn through a few uh the magnificent seven with chris pratt and yeah we discussed that a few weeks Antoine ago Foucault. we'll not uh, we'll, we'll not uh stop on that oh but there no was that boring that sounds like a trendy reunion because not uh, like Denzel and uh ethan hawk yes i like that but okay. we talked about that before so we'll move on uh, okay uh underworld five they're yeah. sticking with underworld do you know what? what? The, it seems the vampire to keep werewolf. Yeah, war. I think it's just maybe they're just doing it because of the Twilight success. No, it, it, it does. It does make money. It's, it's, a bit of a it's cash kind cow. of the Resident Evil kind of thing. Like it, it makes money, but it flies under the radar. <laughs> like it, it flies under the radar because everybody knows that the, the films are kind of bad and they always get critically slated. It's still got its kind of diehard fans, and all they want for those films is for they make a profit, and they yeah. always say they make a profit. Mm. And I think a, a lot of it too is a lot of fucking dirty old men going to see Kate Beckinsale in a leather suit that she's essentially sued on the. Would you, know you not? I mean? Okay. Um, <laughs> We're talking about feminism right <laughs> <laughs> uh, Okay, on the road dirty old man. <laughs> I'm sure plenty of plenty of women want to see. I'm sure plenty of women want to see Chris Pratt as a gruff Western cowboy. Oh yes, yeah. Slinging Jeez, his gun about. So Partly we do. Well. Like, <laughs> Give me all hot on that collar up on here. Okay. Uh, next is Passengers. Also, we Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Sony's is Chris Pratt just really fucking He's, he's a new wonder child, isn't he? Sony, sorry, Sony. He's the new cash cow. But uh, yeah, they're doing uh, next. They're doing a Jumanji reboot mm. for Christmas 2016. I, do you know what? I don't even want to talk about it. Really? Honestly, I don't even want to because I think. Are you are you against it? Isn't it? I think it's just ludicrous. I, I mean, I'm I'm not really all for remix, but I understand what they're doing. I understand what they're doing Jumanji because obviously it's been like in over 20 years now, and I, I think in a, a very cynical way, a, a part of me feels that they're almost capitalizing the fact that Rob Williams has kind of passed away, and th- yeah. there's kind of uh, there's kind of an interest there in his work again and stuff like that. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. Maybe that's me being overly cynical. But one thing I don't like is just Jumanji is one of those kind of perfect kids' films, and it's it's very of its time. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's and it's 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 like we were chatting before. It's like a time capsule of like early nineties films. It just won't work any other way. I don't know. I'm just not. You see, Robin Williams. That sort of energy is so unique to a certain actor that you couldn't have somebody recreate that. You know, it's it's always going to be a lesser version. You know what I mean? Even through that character alone. But, yeah, what's your opinion? Well, no, well, what I was going to say is I, I heard somebody talking about it, and I think it is being done as a remake, but if they did it more of a sequel and just another kid got the got the game, just yeah. then they, just they played Jumanji again, I think that would work better than actually trying to do a remake of Yeah, well, maybe Jumanji. that would be interesting. If that is the case, and, but, I mean, I... But I no, just, I don't think it is. I, I just, I that's it a better is, idea. Yeah, it's a better idea. I think well, it's just a standard remake, which but I the, don't know. The, the improvement in CGI and graphics will just make it more... Yeah, 
I suppose well, know, something more. I think that a lot of Jumanji was practical, and I think that's why it was so kind of eye catching. A lot of it is practical. Some of the, the, the get elephants, <laughs> oh, I know that way. But if, if, <laughs> you look, zoo, you know? if you look at it, if you watch it now, I watched it maybe a couple of months ago, randomly, and, and you look, it. you look at the stampede when it comes through. Jesus, that's some cheap looking graphics. We've got, oh, oh, we got a Jumanji hitter on our hands here. Oh, right, Jumanji for me, mate. <laughs> Did you ever see Zathura, the John Favreau one? It was like Space Jumanji. <laughs> <laughs> no. <Sounds amazing>. no. <laughs> okay, we'll move on. Pretty sure I didn't make that up. <laughs> no, Zathura is a film. Okay. <laughs> I see if you haven't made it up. We're just on the cash cut ourselves. <laughs> cut that out. <laughs> stop doing this podcast, get right to the drawing board. Stop okay. doing that screenplay. Okay, let's blast through more of these. Uh, okay, Dark Tower, Stephen King books. They're at their saying that I first started 2017 that, that's very I mean like I'll, I'll just say very quickly because we're trying to blast through a lot of these that's really interesting because they've been trying to get that made for years and it's seen as has kind of like his big work like his magnum opus that's yeah. never actually been released or translated on the film you know what I mean okay next uh, Resident Evil 6 speaking of get it out there make the <laughs> um, next one Bad Boys 3 uh, for February 17th to 2017 do we need a third bad boys? Martin Lawrence must be fucking delighted. He's fucking delighted. <laughs> Nothing since what was it? Big Mama's House Two. I I enjoyed both bad boys films, but I I really didn't need an I don't really don't need another one. Like yeah, I done like one, done like two, and fucking can't stand Martin Lawrence. I so I, I was actually kind of this is an awful thing to say. I was delighted that his career died. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but I mean, no, he's. He's being fucking salvaged from the wreckage. He's, he's being brought back to our screens, like, but nah, whatever. Okay, next, uh, Baby Driver. Do you oh, know what that is? Jesus. Is this Ice Cube has to drive a coach full of babies no, across it's America? <laughs> no, it's, it's, actually, it's actually Edgar Wright's next film. Oh, oh right, okay. Oh, there's like a mad face. <laughs> I, I know, it's, it sounds like such yeah. a stupid thing. Okay, uh, next, Barbie movie has announced for the 2nd of June 2017. It's the one I've been waiting for. Me that's, and that's the demographic we cater for, the, yeah. the Barbie fans. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next. 30th of June 2017, they finally announced the release date for it. Uncharted. Aye, so I'm really excited for an Uncharted movie. You're a big gamer, obviously. I, 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 Love I wouldn't really, I wouldn't really play games. And it's based on the game. Was yeah. that the one from the Far Cry engine, wasn't it? No, Uncharted? No, it's uh, Naughty no. Dog. Naughty it's Dog. A, Sony exclusive. Oh, that was yeah. Crash Bandicoot. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, Crash Bandicoot film. There's where it's at. Mm. Unbelievable. Also made by another dog. Mm. Yeah, I know. That's that's one of the few things I know about games. Oh, okay. But uh, <laughs> the only games I play now are, of course, sex games when Geo comes around. <laughs> when Geo blows on the time. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, tell us about, about Uncharted because it's something that you're really excited about. I um, know the character from Uncharted and he seems like the... Oh, he is essentially Indiana Jones, so he seems like the perfect template for Chris Pratt, but whatever. Yeah, well, I know it, essentially Uncharted is based on Indiana Jones, so an Uncharted movie would be Indiana Jones. Mm, but they, okay. it'll, it, you know, they could modernize it, and there's if they actually base it off the games, there, you know, there's some interesting storylines in there. Except that the Uncharted games always in the third act they always tend to go supernatural, right? And it's, I, I never really, I, I wouldn't like it to go too supernatural. And they they kind of always do that in the games, and it's always about them kind of like oh, all right then. Right, okay, we're nearly through this fucking Sony thing. Okay, the Lamb, no clue what that is. Yeah. It's coming eighth of December, twenty seventeen. It's a sequel to Sean the Sheep or something. 
<laughs> the Lamb. A prequel. <laughs> a prequel. <laughs> Do you reckon it's a reference to the Lamb of God? Do you reckon it might be a horror film? <laughs> just, just take it. Yeah, again. <laughs> you take some seriously. <laughs> he does. You do take some leaves of fifth, and I love it. It could just be about a lovely lamb. Okay, um, okay. Last one they they announced. Oh fuck! Sorry, I just whacked me too full of bottle. Gonna hit. The last one they announced for July third, twenty nineteen. Jesus, I'm well ahead of schedule. Bad Boys Four. Oh, <laughs> no. I've talked about Mark Lawrence. <laughs> Move on. We're finished with the Sony thing then. Okay, Deadpool trader came out. Yes. Red Red Band and Green Band. What did we think? It looks good. I mean, it seems they're really, really going for it, as opposed to that but piece it's... of shit PG Deadpool that they done in uh, X Men Origins Wolverine. Yeah, it was laughable. Was, was Deadpool always supposed to be a bit of a Jack the Lad anyway? He's supposed to be a Jack the Lad. His exactly. nickname's the Merc with the Mouth. The uh, Merc with the Mouth, yeah. as in the mercenary. Yeah. Like it, yeah. And uh, so obviously in X Men Wolverine, they so does my shop. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, actually, before the trailer came out, there was a trailer for the trailer, and uh, it was just Deadpool sitting like a like a big chair, smoking a pipe and all, and just saying the trailer is coming. But it uh, it had a line like from the studio that f- for some fucking reason, so does mouth shut in the first one. <laughs> it's pretty funny because that's what Deadpool does. Well, like they draw attention to like things in the real world, like mm-hmm. in the trailer where. Where he says like, "Oh, don't make the super suit green or animated." Yeah. It's obviously a reference to Green Lantern yeah. and stuff, yeah, which yeah. Ryan Reynolds done, which yeah. was mauled so so bad. Uh, what I do like is that I like Ryan Reynolds as an actor. He seems they have this tendency to have one really good role and then do so much passion. Yeah. He's got a lot of passion in his filmography. The change up the Green Lantern. There's much much more on there, but he's he's one that I think they kind of most naturally funnier charismatic actors there is the only thing that I think went against them is that that sort of quippy laid back sort of casual yeah. attitude you know that sort of you know that sort of Robert Downey Jr. attitude that he has that's worked against them because sometimes when he's doing dramatic roles it's tough to take him seriously Aye. because of that and that's why it was so hard to take him seriously as Green Lantern I know that they tried to incorporate no, because he was still quippy in that. And that's what I'm saying, though. They, right. they tried to incorporate him being a funny guy and stuff like that, and they being Hal Jordan, the Green Lantern, and it didn't work. And I, believe me, that wasn't the only flaw of that film. Like, there was much no, I, I I think he was all right as Green Lantern. It was just basically everything else with that film was wrong. I think his personality is perfect for Deadwood. Or Deadwood? Deadwood. Deadwood. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're bringing back Deadwood. You heard it here first. Okay, that, for this, is, this is now the title of this episode. <laughs> Dead. Dead. <laughs> like, what, how many series did Deadwood do? Three. Season four, Deadwood, starring <laughs> Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds is gonna be Alice Ward. <laughs> sure, Ian McShane, he's away off the Game of Thrones now, looks. Like so. But uh, no, yeah, it, the the trailer for Deadpool, it just seems just balls out of the bat, just fucking going for it, just action comedy, just just having a bit of crack. Exactly. And I think that's like there's there's a danger of like comic book films taking themselves a bit too seriously. Yeah. And Deadpool's perfect just for having a bit of fun with and just. I love the bit in the trailer just after he does a triple shot with one bullet and he just smells the guns and he looks at the camera and goes I'm touching myself tonight <laughs> I like that though because I think that's why Guardians of the Galaxy well not the only reason because it was an excellent film but the reason that Guardians of the Galaxy was so successful is because it doesn't take itself that seriously it was a nice yeah. tonic they all these really overly serious oh my yeah, god the yeah. apocalypse is happening sort yeah. of action or superhero films you were seeing 
it was just something a bit more laid back and comic book films a lot of people forget are supposed to be fun as well they're supposed to be a bit I, of crack I yeah. do I sort of generally dislike watching comic book films now yeah. for, for that reason that you just stated and the only reason I went to watch Guardians of the Galaxy was one of those orange Wednesday deals that they used to have you have to go and he goes well I'm seeing it for free <laughs> fuck it yeah. but I, I really enjoyed that film yeah yeah, it's a great one yeah. Yeah. okay we'll move on uh, this is a bit of a weird one but you know Pez yes the dispensers pro evolution soccer yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that what you mean the pro evolution soccer or do you mean Pez dispensers no as in the sweets Ah, uh, yeah don't tell me I'm my film about Pez. There's, just, there's a <laughs> Pez film happening. <laughs> Jesus what? Christ. Don't what, from Sony? Um, I'm not sure he's doing it. No, when they started releasing films based on board games, I was, like everybody else, sceptical. And then the Lego movie kind of shut me up a bit. You know, just games based on, or sorry, films based on toys. How in the under Jesus do you make a film based on a sweet dispenser? See, this is the thing, and this is what I kind of wanted to go into. We talked the other week about the Minecraft film. Mm-hmm. And we were comparing it to the Lego movie. Like, the Lego movie just kind of shot a lot of people up because it sounded like a terrible idea. But then they, they did a really good story in it and it's really funny and it's a great film. Oh, and it's also sort of it's a criticism of the society we live in as well. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's actually a criticism of what Lego does as well. Yeah. It's, it's really it's weird. It's a globalization thing. That's mm-hmm. strange. But, um, yeah, so Lego movie was great. So then... With, with Minecraft being announced, he's like, well, you know, it could be another Lego movie. You just have this universe of Minecraft. You can set a good story in that. And then the, there was an emoji film announced right. based on this, they... this, the people that smile at you at your, on your phone. And you're thinking, all right, maybe they can a Lego movie this one as well. <laughs> but then fucking Pez. I know, Pez dispensers. There, there has to be. A, I mean, the Pez film could come out, and it could, it could be fucking hilarious. And they, they play with the fact that their fucking heads roll all the way back or whatever. But Jesus Christ, it's a bit much. You know what I really don't like is that, obviously, Pez dispensers do nothing but fucking shoot sweets out you, right? Uh, they serve no other purpose in life. Okay, that's a fact. Lego, obviously, more in a popular fucking sort of conscious and you play with Lego and you grow up with Lego you don't really give a fuck about Pez you just eat a sweet out of it or whatever now the the point I'm trying to get at is that that film when it does eventually be released it will literally just be the wee characters that Pez are associated with and they're going to have to construct the whole storyline or a whole narrative around that in a very cynical way it is just a big payday for the Pez company because yeah. it's a recognisable brand oh well here we'll just take your yeah. brand and we'll just make up a story for your wee characters and it'll probably be a very familiar story ah huge but the thing as well like like what they did with the Lego movie it'll it'll be all licensing like you you could have fucking like Batman in the Pez film because there's bound to be a Batman Pez there is you know there's me? all sorts of them yeah like I have a Spider-Man one and also a Snippy one that's a collection, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, two. <laughs> I have a Pez collection. <laughs> what do you say? I wear that? Yeah. <laughs> Just two. I was actually thinking today. I'm pretty sure I have a third one, but I can't think what it is. <laughs> and I'm fucked hey if man. I'm digging out my Pez. <laughs> hey man, did you say? Cap- I'm just Snoopy. Captain Skate has got he's got two snippies just, <laughs> just oh, I just <laughs> the most depressing collection. Captain Scarlet there's one. <laughs> Some really shitty one that nobody wants. But yeah, I, I think it would live and die kinda on the licensing and like who they could actually But are they gonna go about as Pez dispensers, you know what I nah, mean? No, they couldn't. It's but then if if they're just 
people going about their business, then what is what if, what if, what does Pez have to maybe, do with it? Maybe we've got it all wrong, and maybe it's about a man trying to rescue the Pez company. Yeah, maybe it's actually like <laughs> maybe, <laughs> it's no, re- maybe, maybe it's really deep. Maybe it's there's a, a political maybe, thriller. Maybe it's, maybe it's, aye. Political thriller, maybe a, a, it actually a, a pulls in the real life IMF, not the, <laughs> not the, not the fictional IMF. <laughs> Ban Ki Moon as a cameo, even though yeah, he's the UN. Thank you. I mean, like, there is a special edition Ban Ki Moon pairs, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say that when they release the DVD, there's going to be the Ban Ki Moon edition. <laughs> <laughs> Also, for for the listener, I just I'm just realising now. Uh, if you don't know who Ban Ki Moon is, it's a very very mundane fact. But he's the head of the UN. On the he is the head of the UN. <laughs> and if you don't know that, then you really need to start watching current affairs more because you should be ashamed of yourself. Oh, calling out the listener. <laughs> calling out me. I don't know who fucking Ban Ki Moon is. But I I just live in this fucking blanket fort. Yeah, Mickey. <laughs> I, that's another thing. The listener doesn't realise Mickey lives in this tent. When this podcast ends, we just kind of leave. Me, all right, Mickey. See you next week. All right, well, we're gonna we're gonna clear the the mic stands out, and we're just gonna get the Pez collection out, and then start <laughs> playing in the dead. <laughs> and that's Mickey's friends for the week for the podcasters. I'm gonna I'm gonna shit the Pez film myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord! It's gonna be Snoopy and Spider Man going on an adventure. <laughs> when you were talking earlier on about the homesman and when people are mental, nobody talks about us. I think we're to talk about this person enough. <laughs> We were actually talking about that there's a lock on this bedroom door from the outside. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. yes. <laughs> and and any time I used to bring up the Mickey, oh, I don't know why that locks it. <laughs> so Joel can lock him up night. <laughs> so he can talk to his pen. Get into your pen, Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> Get into your pen's pen. <laughs> Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. Okay, and we'll move on to topics now. So who wants to go first? Uh, yeah, I'll go first. Second. Um, Check out. My topic this week is your favourite scenes in, in, in any film. Now, what I was thinking about this week is that I, I was actually thinking about this, that some of my favourite scenes aren't necessarily from my favourite films. And you can actually have a bad film that just has really a scene that's, that speaks to you or sticks with you, you know, for a dramatic reason or maybe it's action-packed and it's really well executed. And you saying that sentence just clicked a wee good. Well, nodule that, that, in my head. See that this is why I'm giving the explanation <laughs> first just in case it doesn't help wee first time. Uh, the way I see it is that you can have a bad film or an average film or, of course, an excellent film, but th- there can just be one point in the film where everything just works right and then maybe the rest of the film kind of falls down. 
you know, it, it could be, you know, just a, a bit of acting that sticks with you. It could be a cinematography and acting. Or it could be a mesh, a lot of things. And the reason I thought of it was um, I watched... So actually, no, you brought up or somebody brought up Memento a couple weeks back. And I really like the film Memento. Do you think it's slightly overrated? I do think that it's definitely one of those films you can only really watch once and then, you know, the, 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 the kind of novelty it wears off. Well, if you find the Easter egg in the DVD, watch it in the correct order. Yeah, then. but the most boring <laughs> film ever, just <laughs> you know the mustache straight away. But uh, it's like, oh, that guy died. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> There's one scene on Mental really stuck me, and it's just—it's a perfect scene, perfectly framed. It's Guy Pierce's character, and he sat in the bed, and I think he just slept with uh, Carrie Ann Moss on it from yeah. the Matrix and stuff. He just slept with her, and he's still trying to piece together his life obviously he can't create new memories and he's wondering who who killed his wife etc etc and it's just him sitting in a bed and it's really lowly lit and there's this kind of nice wee bit of soothing music that plays over it just he kind of as an indent of the kind of dialogue of the wee soliloquy they saying to himself she's sleeping with him and he's sat up and he, he goes on this one and it's the first time that because the film to that point is you trying to piece together what's happening and obviously it's it's uh, the, the temporality and, and the structure's all fucked up you're like what's going on here it's the first time you actually really see him as a character and how emotionally drained it must be for him loving this sort of life and he's sitting there and he's there's this beautiful line that's always stuck me he's all uh, how can I heal you know how can I heal if I can't fill time because he can never actually heal the wounds that he has because he's constantly, uh, constantly re-experiencing them again that's constantly new to him so he doesn't have the time to actually do it so every time that he has to recreate this pain which is you know every like let's say 20 minutes he has to go through the same pain every single time and that but a dialogue and his performance the way he says it it's 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 heartbreaking and it just works so well i think i haven't actually watched it i think it's just this really slow track up towards him too they just kind of then gives you gives an extra punch because you can just see like this vacant, devastated face. It's always stuck with me. I think that's a beautiful scene. And then Memento's a really good film, but I was just interested to hear your ones. And it, I'd be even more interested if, if it's a really good scene, but maybe from a film that you're, you you don't really hold in that high regard, or a film that's maybe not that great. Well, I I actually had a different scene in mind, but so I'll talk about the both of them, but mm-hmm. you, you made me think of one when you're on about it, not necessarily from a good film and stuff. So... Uh, that one is from Star Wars Episode One, The Phantom okay. Menace. Is not not a great film. When Jar Jar first shows up, or I see when Jar Jar first shows up. You it's just, just was, you, uh, you were on this one. Impeccable. I'm sure it's a great film for anybody under the age of fifteen. Yeah, maybe even twelve. <laughs> 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 but uh, no, yeah, not a great film, but. Great lightsaber fight at the end with Darth Maul. We the the music, Jill the Fates, and uh, yeah, just between. He's uh, got the double end at one too, only mm. <laughs> what a lad. Taking on T boys at once, like is a lightsaber as well. Then. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Darth Darth Maul, uh, Obi Wan Kenobi, and Qui Gon Jinn. And so yeah, it's just that that fight. It's a really good fight. Spoilers. And also, Liam Neeson does his uh, almost contractual death. In that <laughs> <moment>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and actually, you now you bring up when when he dies. Like, if you remember, uh, Obi Wan Kenobi is is stuck behind like a force field yeah, thing, yeah. and he's he's just watching it happen. And then when uh, Darth Maul kills Liam Neeson, Darth Maul just stares at him and just like. 
Yeah, yeah, I was just yeah. I just I'd fucking stare at it. Yeah. Next. Does it make yeah. you angry? You're getting there double end on one. Does it make you angry? <laughs> Can I feel the hate building up inside uh, of you? Do you like them apples? I was ready for you. But that, but yeah, it's it just comes it just shows off the fact in that in uh, episode one, Darth Maul was the best thing about episode one, and they fucking killed him. <laughs> what I never they, understood about episode one, and I know that obviously they make a film. I mean, well, a lot of people say sure, anybody can make a film. Obviously, they make a film. It's a very, very intricate thing, and there's you know a lot of expertise that goes on it. And you have to think about you know cameras, and you have to think about framing, and you know cast, blah blah blah. But what I never understood about episode one is that all the promotional material was around Darth Maul. He was probably just as cool as Darth Vader. Really, really cracking character. All built up to Darth Maul. He's in it for about fucking fifteen minutes. You know what I mean? He's not in the film at all. Yeah. And you thought, just build the film around him. Just It's such an easy formula. Just do that. This but whole thing about trade regulations and all this shit. <laughs> what was that like? Well, that's well, that's, that's that's part of uh, Emperor... Well, not uh, Senator... Palpatine. Palpatine. Uh, how he manipulates the old yeah. Republic to create yeah, the Civil War. That, Jesus Christ. I mean, it's supposed to be a space opera. The reason that the first series was so successful is because it was action-focused. And yeah, there was a streamlined story in there, which was really well written. But come on, trade regulations. We may as well be talking about intergalactic fucking tax or something like that. Well, it is the prequel. It's like, why, uh, why does it end up in this crazy yeah, empire? It, yeah. it does just he get really... To... Shit. Convoluted. <laughs> I'll say... But uh, no, yeah, they just I think out of episode one, they they should have kept Darth Maul alive. It it should have been going through the episode two and episode three that uh, Obi Wan Kenobi was wanting revenge on mm, Darth Maul, yeah. for, and then that that could have uh, landed well the uh, Anakin's fight with the dark side that they were both wrestling with the dark yeah, side, and then yeah. Obi Wan doesn't go to the dark side, and Anakin full, does. Yeah. It would have been they're going on a similar journey, but then. He doesn't take revenge on Darth Maul, but had, Anakin does or whatever. You had to introduce Count Dooku and then yeah. General Grievous, who was yeah. that alien thing. General you could have, you, <laughs> you could have, you just could have kept with Darth Maul. Yeah. But I think one of the problems I remember reading this years ago is the actor that played Darth Maul was a pain in the ass. He was the guy who played. Was it Flea in the original X Men? I Isn't don't. I, I'm not. Is I'm not guy, sure if he even did that. Him, but but like, in the end, in the end. He was just so so up himself. He oh, just... right and of course, he was uh, Darth Maul was voiced by Brian Butterfield, Peter Shavanovich. <laughs> He's got a great voice. Oh, so but uh, yeah, the other scene that I had in mind, and it was just it was the first thing that kind of clicked in my head, and it's it's probably just because it's more of recent times, and I have just actually literally just looked up the scene on YouTube and watched it a couple of times, <laughs> just to cry myself to sleep sometimes. <laughs> and uh, it's the last scene in Captain Phillips. Mm. It's such breaks down. It's such a good scene. And it's just a masterclass of acting. acting. Because that's all. I mean, like it's a static camera. He's literally just what he's sitting on, like a hospital bed or something yeah. like that. There. That's. What, I mean, like no great framing, no great cinematography. That is all about an actor on form. Just yeah. I mean, it's it's just incredible. Just to watch. I just to see. It's Tom Cruise on there. Tom Cruise best performance. Actually, Mission Impossible sucks. Just somebody takes over the boat. <laughs> <laughs> but it's 
it's just so amazing to watch because you can see every emotion he's going through. Like mm. he's trying to calm himself down, and then he breaks a wee bit, and then he sees a bit of blood, and then he freaks out. It's it's so good. Yeah, it's amazing, yeah, amazing to see. Like, and I mean like, that is just it's a really solid picture as well. Like, it's a really solid film. But uh, Don, do you have any great scenes? Favorite scenes? Could be any. Doesn't have to be yeah. your, your actual proper favorite. Well, just anything comes to mind. That's one, what one of my my yeah. favorite uh, scenes is Apocalypse Now. Yeah. And well, my favorite film is Apocalypse Now Redux because oh. I like I really like the lengthened version. The the things they add in. I like the slow burn one as well because uh, it gives you more of a feeling of the actual just that jungle mentality. Yeah. And how, and I think that's what they get it across in the the the, the more cut version, not the Redux that the jungles are supposed to be like this surreal yeah. fucked up world it's almost like going essentially it's like going on the hill yeah, you know what right, I mean yeah which the the whole sort of symbolism of the whole thing yeah. going up the river you're going towards then the heart Kurtz is almost like sitting at the end of it then mm. you know what I mean essentially but it, what, what scene is it it's uh, the bridge at Dolong uh, Dolong when uh, I, it's not just the scene it's the music Carmine Coppola just he did the whole score for most of the film just where they've got the lights up and I'm not even I'm not even going to try to attempt like the yeah. but when he when they come in and then it's dark and you see all the lights there and there's mortars landing and then uh, Willard and uh, what's his name the surfer oh, I forgot the surfer name too they he's he's just dropped acid and he's walking along and the way that Carmine makes the music sort of start to sort of phase in and out as mm-hmm. he's walking along and he's, he's telling him to get down and they're, they're going through the trench and just that whole scene like they're walking it, it looks like a hellscape it is a literal hellscape as he crosses over one side of the bridge to the other mm-hmm. and even before they've got to the bridge there's all the, the marine well the soldiers running going let me in the boat let me in the boat and they're screaming get your fucking bastards because you could imagine they <laughs> you know they really want to get out of there yeah. and then as Willow's walking through and going are you the CEO and the the roach after that whole thing where he walks in through the trenches and he walks in through that that dark little sort of pillbox covered area yeah. and there's just these soldiers uh, just looking at him as the the flares and the lights are going on and off I love that but then as you were talking about other other film other scenes it's I think uh, the field have yeah, you seen the field yeah, yeah. classic Irish film yeah, you might have even mentioned one of my favorite Irish films and now that I work on an Irish farm. Where he bursts in and he goes on off in his rant in the pub when he realises his field's up for auction. And just the way that... And I think it's it's more Richard Harris mm. carrying like his, his acting creed. Yeah. His lens to that scene where he starts railing off in the pub and everyone's going, oh... That's they're my favourite scenes. I like that because that's that's a really good contrast because the apocalypse now scene is just a master class of everything. Mm. That's acting, that's sound design, that's you know, score, that's especially cinematography, mm. camera work. Whereas like uh Mickey's Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks version in Captain <laughs> Phobes, that is all about the actor. And obviously yeah. it says a lot about just how much an actor can draw in this song. It's very, yeah. very say not even just standardly framed or you know just kind of typical camera work you'll see in any film but the actor in a way is the special effect mm-hmm. you know what I mean he is the thing or she is the thing that, that, that draws you in mm-hmm. you know what I mean actor actress well yeah that's uh, that's essentially all I kind of want to talk about we, 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 we're cracking scenes like, I mean, you didn't say one 
that's like you want to miss out. Wow. The uh, Memento one. Oh, aye. Yeah, that's, that's that's how I started off. Oh, I forgot that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> better, get, better get a tattoo. <laughs> Shan said, seen. <laughs> um, okay, we'll move on to another topic. Are you ready to go on yours? or? Uh, yeah, okay. Um, well, because I was sort of rushed in quite last moment. No, because we, we mis- wanted you here, Dom. Mis- Mr. Her- Mr. Heron is off. Mr. Heron's off living a, the dream. Yeah, being a, being a diva. Yeah. Also, also, you're saying last minute we knew he was gone like weeks ago. <laughs> Just didn't plan <laughs> anything. We really, really had to start planning this. Literally. <laughs> um, well, my my biggest gripe gripe in any film is. But you're going to say my biggest crime? Oh, well, hang on. His, <laughs> his, historical inaccuracy. Yes. Uh, fucks me off. It really does. <laughs> it really gets on my nerves. Um, now. Unlike you two, I'm not a student of film. I'm a student of history. That's what I studied, and that's that's what I still study today. And two films come to mind, which annoy me. It's U five seven one. Yeah. You remember that film? Yeah, and the the, the, the boat. The U boat on the yeah. Aye, yeah, 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 the submarine. Where basically the the U.S. Navy figures out the Enigma machine. Now I haven't seen it since I was about 11 or 12 and you know at the end the end of yeah. school at the end of the school year when the teachers just don't just care anymore yeah, October, just, like just pull in it's not it's not even they just pull in the tv and you you watch that but it, what annoyed me something <laughs> they, we, we discussed that just before you go on this we discussed that recently remember the excitement when you used to see that tv game when yeah. you're in school hey? you're like just, we're yeah. the fuck all night yeah it's and, almost, and like, then the fucking video player doesn't work, and you're yeah. like, ah, oh, Jesus, uh, you read a book or Teachers stand there with their ass up in the other <laughs> <laughs> thing as well, but I mean, like, when you look back in school, bizarre in a certain way, do you remember when you used to be sitting in school and a dog used to get into school? See, like, <laughs> see, like, but see, like, see when the, see when the dog got into school, it's like you never seen a fucking dog before. Everyone's all crying around the dog. Oh, Jesus Christ. Everyone, like, everyone starts running around and then some fucking white, white pulls his bag strap off <laughs> turns into a makeshift you know, lead. Some really, some really meek-mannered, dull fucking caretaker just comes and grabs a dog by a scruff of neck and everybody's excitement's done. But honestly, when a dog came on the school, it was like it was that fucking alien, you know, buzzing the nerve. But... Uh, I'd, I don't know what school you went to but me and Chan went to an old boys school as well and see when a girl was in the school oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ even like a well looking teachers were seen as models uh, <laughs> so that, I think that's the problem with uh, Ireland altogether really oh, the separation oh, 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 oh. of the sexes it's a fun plug yeah, so that's, that's not me hitting on Ireland <laughs> I went to a, a pretty bog standard comprehensive school it was a it wasn't a well performing school but there were women there but when a dog came in <laughs> just, <laughs> just, just, just a little golden labrador everyone was charging after that thing oh. it was the winner of crafts 10 years in a row <laughs> it's a legend the living legend of crafts oh my god dog comes on that school everybody loses their shit Desks on fire, everything like you know. I mean, that's when the dog could be there for about two or three minutes. But anyway, go on with your topic. Mind the time there's a dildo in school. <laughs> <laughs> the phantom dildo. See, this is this 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 is my problem, right? An all boys school. How did a dildo get into that school? Exactly. What? Why was the dildo there? Nobody knows. <laughs> it's actually as well. It's still referred to as and, uh, the muff of the phantom dildo. And was was the Catholic Church involved in your education? Oh, of course. Sure. There, was a, there was a priest as our Jeez. president. Oh. 
Anyway, continue our topic before he gets sacrilegious up on him. Big controversial. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was the fact that in the film, the the this the U.S. Navy basically uh, deciphered the Enigma code. Right. Now, at the time, I was just a just a young lad, maybe eleven or twelve. I I kind of always grown up watching history documentaries. So I knew the Enigma code was broken in some rich rich posh county house somewhere in England yeah, but I'll they kind it. in the film they portrayed it like they'd figured it out so well that's not true because if if you watch that like and you don't study history then you might you might be tricked into believing yeah. that that's how they they figured that out um, it's massively irresponsible yeah, because it is. You're busy, you're, if you're doing a period piece or a history film you're teaching people songs yes. that just doesn't write and I mean like a while a lot of people to say, oh, well, sure, I mean, like, they can just go and look, you know, at the Wikipedia or history, but, but not everybody's going to no, do that. They're just going to take it as verbatim and go, oh, well, you know what, the Americans cracked the, the Enigma code. You know, it's not the case. And, uh, well, a lot of a lot of military films as well, I would say, the way that the, the Second World War is portrayed, really, the, the German, the Wehrmacht, was destroyed in Russia. Hmm. The, the, the kind of German army that the Allies were facing in France. But what Sam Wall teaches is that it was always yeah, the Americans. Yeah. yeah. The the r- the real killing fields were between Berlin and Moscow. That's where all the, the chaos was happening. That's where five million German soldiers died alone yeah. between there. That 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 kind of annoys me that they should now obviously there's political reasons and I don't want to sort of I've already started having a go at the Catholic Church where I'm not gonna start <laughs> <laughs> but uh other things. Um Braveheart as well. That's that's a classic. That's Lutterwin. That that's a classic. Lutterwin. It's a classic. Hey, he's wearing a watch, isn't he? No, it's Gladiator. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was to say that's a joke. <laughs> There's an extra in the background with a watch on. Oh, really? And they completely <laughs> missed it. <laughs> All in office, it was a Casio. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, then we calculator watches. <laughs> it's like, many, many of boys died. <laughs> <laughs> A few seconds were there. <laughs> Add them up. Um, Add them. That was a classic. The fact that they're still wearing woad is a yeah that died out a thousand years ago. So uh, d- does even things like of what they're wearing annoy you? Like yes, if it there's does. a zipper on something, I that mean, you, you know, it does annoy me. You know, when you when you think of Vikings, you think of people in horn, horned yeah. helmets. That's all bullshit. Then. That's all bullshit. Have you watched the TV show Vikings? Yes, I have. Is that historically accurate? Because it's all on the History Channel. It's it's, va- like it's it vaguely be. now the man Rag- Ragnar Lodbrok. He's kind of semi semi historical. Oh, really? He he kind of exists in uh, some of the sagas, but we, we're not entirely sure that if he actually real or not. And he yeah. he like his lineage, as we know, actually for a time become kings of either Norway or Denmark or even like the the Anglo-Saxon kingdoms or the, oh, the Dane law of England as it was in those times. Because what, watching that TV show, because it's on the History Channel, yeah. and obviously it's a it's like a scripted TV show, so it's not it's not all going to be true. But I kind of thought if the, the kind of, the general thing of what they do, I thought I was kind of well, hoping I, would be historically know, but, accurate. But the History Channel has been getting flagged yeah. for fucking years. Yeah. For oh, really? not, not representing it's not history being anymore. very historical anymore. It's essentially just, it, it's run out of ideas for documentaries, so they've now just started funding and, fiction pieces based around history that aren't fully accurate. And another thing that annoys me is when they, when, now I understand why they do it. You know, if you want to make a historical piece and you want to make it watchable, 
then you have to sort of make your audience relate to it but sometimes when you go back in history like the the mindset of people like especially a thousand years ago like religion like god the whole concept of god it was like that's more fundamental than maybe you could think like the most fundamental sort of islamic extremist would be yeah. like god well, god a thousand years ago in europe god and the whole the whole idea of the church and god and religion and christian that rules your whole entire life yeah. like well, they, from they do, kind, they, they they do kind of get that across in vikings like uh, but except for rag like, I can't even remember. Ragnar. I I can never pronounce his name. Ragnar Lothbrok. Lothbrok or Lothbrok. I I'm not I'm never sure about his last name, but uh, he's the only one that accepts uh the priest that they get from England. That annoys me, yeah, and I it annoys me that uh, I they forget all, his all name. All the rest of them hit that, him like, and that becomes a very cliche. Like he he brings him in, going, oh well, you know, I'm Ragnar. I'm so forward thinking. Well, maybe forward thinking, but th- no, more pragmatic. Yeah, you think you're the you're uh, the leader yeah. of a war band. You you're essentially like a dictator. Yeah, that's that's all that is. All the kings and queens of the Middle Ages, they're more. You've got to you've got to think about more like the heads of crime families. Yeah. You know, you, when you think of monarchies in Europe, think Godfather, that kind of. You know, you've got to. You're gonna play your part. You've got to. It's always a million. But you, you could also be. Uh, you could also be usurped. Like yes, you could. Also, but you've got to rule with an iron fist. Yeah. You know, you've got to. You've got to drop that horse's head in the bed when you need to. You know. <laughs> 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 I read this like the historical inaccuracies in Game of Thrones. I just that I read them. Well, that that I'll let that slide because that's a fantasy universe. <laughs> that is a fantasy universe. No, but. Dragons were never red, like. <laughs> <laughs> they were never that size. No, <laughs> Only no, in Wales. So it, it's, it's a really interesting topic to bring up because I do think that C4, they're usually, if you get a, a historical epic or you get some sort of, uh, of period piece, they're always going to be a big budget because it requires a big budget. They yes. have the yes. costumes and usually there's a big sort of epic battle or, you know, like kind of epic visuals in, in some sort of way. Why can you not recreate the history? Not only through the clothes that they're wearing or the, the things they're doing or the, the things they're saying. Because there are so many researchers and there's so much mm. money thrown against it. Then obviously that money can go... And it wouldn't even cost that much money to get a couple of maybe historical advisors, history advisors on there just to keep it sweet. Now obviously I know in the cynical world of Fulham, I can sometimes they streamline a lot of this stuff because it just makes it more obvious. Yes, it does, yeah. And that's the case. But and maybe you're, 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 it, you're maybe gonna, it speeds things up. Yeah, sometimes. you're never going to escape that with blockbusters. But I do think that films that you know obviously want to have a wee bit more depth and, and films that do actually want to represent history, represent the time period in an accurate sort of way, they do have to be very careful. They do have to put a lot of thought mm. on it. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I think it is, and I totally agree with you, massively responsible if they don't do that. Now, obviously, to the common view, you're you're well schooled in history. I know you know I know a bit yeah. about history nowhere near so as much as yourself or all our historians so I wouldn't pack up on a lot of stuff so mm. there's probably a lot of stuff that I would just take verbatim from these screens and go oh fuck okay right mm. that's what they've done back then but that's also a dangerous thing it, you know what I mean? it is well if we go back to uh, Braveheart the way that they sort of leave it that William Wallace uh, got with um the Queen who married. See, that's that's both. Now, it's Catherine of Aragon or something like that. No, 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 not, not Catherine. Aragon. It's the Queen of the, the French Princess. Yeah, she 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 existed, and Henry the Second he existed, Did they and each other? he poss yeah she was he was already dead uh, well, if I remember correctly. Or by the time she married Edward the Second, 
She was only 13. Now it's it's kind of she well. She was only 13. <laughs> <laughs> she Sorry, was I just a girl. She <laughs> was just a girl. 13 years old. <laughs> you fucked her, William Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Wally just screamed freedom. That's, that's like I say, well, look. <laughs> Free Wally just. <laughs> And uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> what's his face? William Wallace was pretty much sort of he was Anglo. Well, he was Scottish Norman, so he wasn't like some sort of purebred Scottish freedom fighter. He was kind of involved with the whole aristocracy anyway. Yeah. Um. But she would have been 13, and they there would have never been a chance that they ever met. Precisely. But then just the, and again, like we were talking about earlier on, the reason for it is just the crowbar on a romance. Yep. every Hollywood blockbuster near enough every Hollywood film has to have your fucking standard mm. boring romance and to do it in a normal film that's completely fictionalised it's boring and it just slows the film down but they do it when you're actually dealing with real people and actual culture real history it's so you have irresponsible to, yeah you have to make it work. so fucking irresponsible but right sometimes sorry no, okay. go ahead. sometimes I feel when you come to historical they, they want to try to make it too black and white they yep. want to try and make too they much want, good they want person to be and bad. Somebody very evil and somebody very good. Well, that's, 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 that's not the way that history works. But you see, so that's, good people do evil things. You see, that's, that's the thing, though, that when you're taking a historical topic and move, um, bringing it to a film, like, is, like is, it's the question then of, are you there to present a historical account of what happened or are you there to make a film no that's what we're saying no, they're two different things we're saying that before obviously the entertainment aspect has to remain and you do have to entertain people and usually films that are historically based are going to be based around song and history that was maybe visually exciting or a very interesting topic mm-hmm. but what we're saying is don't obviously keep on everything about the history and, and, and bore your viewer because that's not what you're going for no studio would ever even touch that sort of project but at least especially with the money like we were talking about mm-hmm. Danny, the money do you have hire some sort of historical advisor just to, to keep it on the level to keep it actually yeah. as realistic as possible but like as as we discussed last week we uh scruff he he brought up uh, the science of films and they have yeah. scientific officers they uh give them advice and go. stuff and they'll take that advice but if it goes against what they want to do in the yeah. film no, they'll it, just fucking it ignore 100% it 100 depends on the film see if it is your kind of sloggy you know sword and sandals song where it's all about the violence say like 300 or something yeah, like that there, yeah. which is so butcher then that that's a different story because I mean that's all about that's the based that is based on an Arthur Miller comic yeah, series that's, that's and he and that's not supposed to be realistic yeah. at all see when you get a film like that which uh, basically it's just looking for an excuse they have these massive battle sequences and they just want to kind of cloak it or structure it around history then fair enough because you know what you're getting yourself involved with but if it is an historical picture that is maybe a drama or trying to treat itself a bit seriously, yeah. then it it depends on the sort of form. Like the whole science thing with Scruff last week, it definitely depends on the sort of form that you're going to see. Okay, we shall move on to my topic, and I'm unlocking my phone to look at my topic, even though I know what it is, but I'm still doing it. <laughs> oh, wait, I forgot. There we go. <laughs> okay, who yeah, is I'm your favourite working actor at Ooh. the minute? And I... I want to just make the. I'm saying at the minute, like who is recording a film right now that you <laughs> <laughs> right now? No, but like who, who's your who's your favorite working actor? So like all the all the dead ones are gone. <laughs> <laughs> God damn! <laughs> that was the time. Uh, for me, 
have a few. I usually have like I'm usually circling about five. Who they're like five actors. There can only be one. I know that. There can only be one. That usually have about five actors. Like Highlander. That I'm always circling. Uh, that I would I would actually just go and see anything. I think that 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 basically should be the measuring stick of you know your favorite word actor. You would watch them in anything. You know exactly. Right? So, for me, it it has to be old Fastbender. Hey? Oh, it has to be it has to be Mickey Fastbender because since he kind of burst on the scene with hunger. Great film. Ah, great film. Bar bar the odd, very odd dude like Jonah Hex. He's done nothing but Was good he in Jonah Hex? He's in Jonah Hex. He's also in 300 as well. Yeah. That, that's, that's, that was actually that's before. Then our arrows will blot out the sun. Or the, they'll blot out the yeah. sun. Yeah. That was just actually before Hunger. Most mm. people think that he burst on the scene of Hunger. That was a star making mm. role. But yeah, he was actually on 300 too. But uh, yeah, Fastbender for me. Just everything he's done. You could, I mean, you have a lust as long as you're with a great films. He's done in the past, you know, six or seven years. Did you like Shame? I loved Shame. Well, I, I you, found that really the good. The he wasn't even nominated for an Oscar awesome. flag was incredible. Such an adult, mature fucking yeah. role. And it's a role he was nominated see. for 12 Years Slave, I wonder. Aye, best supporting actor. But uh, how he was nominated for... I mean, like, Elwin Epps is an R great character that he plays. But how he was nominated for his performance in Shame is, is beyond me. I know, it's such it, it is. But, I mean, it, it, the, the amount of, of films, like, e- even films where it's almost not so much a cameo, but it's it's, it's a more lighthearted role. Even the likes of Frank or Shame or Hunger or even a lesser known one that hasn't you should catch it on... Um, I'm sorry to say catch it on Facebook. Catch on Netflix, uh, Fish Tank. Cracking film where yeah, he's, trying to, he's trying to seduce uh, like a sixteen-year-old girl whose mother he's going out with, and it's it's mm. re- yeah, it's a really and it's set in like a council estate. It's Andrea Arnold, I think, director. It's is really it good film. UK or Irish council? It's UK. Yeah, right. UK council. Is she, is she? Does she like do dancing or something? She's the a kid? dancer. I I think oh. I I mind that when that came out actually. Yeah. I just honourable mentions to Jake Gyllenhaal, who I think. Is not going to the park, and, and a new entry recently, very recently, because he's really just burst on the scene, in my opinion, in the past years. And he's a personal favorite of me and Mickey's, Oscar Isaac. Oscar, Oscar Isaac. Isaac is up there now at the minute. And I'll bring it back to that revenge on Jodie Foster. He was good in that. He yeah. was well. I could watch him on that. The film was bad, but he I enjoyed watching. It's, it's like I mean, Bill, it's one thing it's always said about Bill Murray. Uh, while people point the finger and say Bill Murray's been in a lot of like shit, like you know, like. Garfield and a lot of maybe not so good comedies in the nineties and it's Charlie's Angels <laughs> and stuff like that. And it's definitely paycheck films, but there's I just enjoy yeah, there, there's I just there's that talent and and that charisma of an actor like Bill Murray that he alone will make the film watchable. Yeah. You know what I mean? I see that's that's a, that's a common thing. If if a good actor's in a bad film, people automatically assume that there's a bad performance. They can give a good performance in a bad film. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, they can make it better. Yeah. They elevated a little bit because I yeah. think Wow Bill Murray, Charlie's Angels will be even more derided than one does now. But yeah, your favourite working actor, Dominic, or actress? If you don't have one, if you don't I have one, you know, one no, I, I do. I really Although enjoy I my... <laughs> uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm. And that's only for the whole him and Scorsese work. But what I like even more about DiCaprio is like, do you remember how you much flag he got on in his career with Titanic and Titanic's almost Being like a pretty it's boy a, yeah, it's did like he a, it's get well 
It's like a, it's like a hype backlash sort of thing because Titanic was you know until recently until Avatar was you know the the, the most successful film ever. Yeah, it's still number two. Isn't it? It's it's number two on the list. Yeah, just behind Avatar. But before Avatar? that, he was Avatar. Romeo Avatar. and Juliet. <laughs> before that, he was Romeo and Juliet. So he was kind of getting typecast as that the pretty boy, baby faced. That's what he was saying, boy. and he got a lot of flight because then people were like, oh well, he just gets roles and he just gets all his attention because he's pretty and he's not that great an actor. And I love the fact that he has just held two fingers up in the past like mm. ten years and went, you know, like, fuck off. <laughs> I am a cracking actor and. Again, like Fastbender, he's a DiCaprio's mm. probably got an even longer list of cracking performances, so versatile, so many different roles as well. And then he's it looks like he's going to carry on the form of the Revenant, which we were talking about. I was think. literally just about to bring up yeah. that. Is that another Scorsese film? It's not, no, actually, it's uh, what do you call him? Oh, Inaratu? Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Alejandro. Alejandro. Alejandro I, I can't wait to see that because that's him out on the frontier again, battling, yeah. yeah. And from that's, over here again, as well. As a historical student, I can't wait to see him battling away. As so long as that stays historically sound, <laughs> I think it will, he will stay with, my favourite. I think it's safe. And what's uh, what the press reports are saying as well is that apparently his, and this will just really drive home how good an actor is, is apparently his character is essentially mute. Doesn't really talk really? much. Yeah. Is that why the. The, the trailer sure. is I've, the way it yeah, is. Yeah, I've right. just read a couple of things that he he, oh, he doesn't talk much throughout the whole film. Um, no, my my favorite work actor, and it's it's I kind of feel bad because it kind of relates in the what what Chan's topic was as well. And we do not discuss these topics before we get we just kind of rock no, up and be all. You know, this really is my topic. <laughs> Mickey, I don't think you have to explain. I don't think that that podcast <laughs> go out. They seem like tightly structured. I like, no this, no this is a fucking <laughs> script. <laughs> I think they, so, I think they sound like we hear them. Like <laughs> we spent most of the day just playing with the dog before we get into the <laughs> I, den. I just spent my day on the sofa, working petting the fucking my dog. Just but uh, my favorite working actor today is Tom Hanks. Mm. Because why not? Of course, the he's, master. He's uh, you talked words about. He is a master of everything. Yeah. He can do drama. He can do comedy. He can do whatever the fuck you want him to do. It's he just do, does uh, he want to do it? Music producer Kelly Ray Epson. He can do whatever he wants. I think I actually that's his. That's the one performance that I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> he's very low key though. As a as a personality, as a Tom Hanks personality, yeah. very low key. Actually, um, I'm a I'm a big listener of podcasts, and uh, I have several podcasts that I, I listen to the newest episode of and whatnot. But the two podcasts I keep constantly downloaded in my phone, I delete a, a new episode after I listen to it. The two I keep uh downloaded is the two Tom Hanks episodes of the Nerdist podcast, because he is so entertaining. And just so delightful to listen to. But I think that's why he's so loved as well, because he's seen as the most, this kind of stereotype, most down-to-earth actor there is. See, that's what he's saying, is that, like, Tom Hanks is a person, as you brought up, like, if he's in a film, I'm fucking watching that mm-hmm. film, you know what I mean? Are you sure it's just not because you're comfortable? Because when you were younger, you were familiar with him. Do you not just think sometimes it's a generational thing? Maybe a generation, Possibly. but I mean, like at the same time, you could say you could say the same about like any big actor from from your youth. You could say the same about Tom Cruise. You could say the same about I mean, like John Travolta. John Travolta was familiar, and I would not uh, go back and watch half his fucking filmography. No chance. Say Jack, I, w- Jack I wouldn't Lemon. even want to be would in you a say room. Jack Lemmon was a classic <laughs> actor. Travolta. Jack Lemmon. Yeah. Oh Christ! Of course, he's one of my, he's probably my top three favorite actors ever. Ah uh, well, you. Uh, shit. Yeah, I'm talking to students of film. Let's talk about our famous historical authors. 
Eric Hobsbawm. Do you like him? <laughs> I love his biscuits. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we, we all said one, yes? Yes. Okay, and we'll go on to recommendations. And I'm going to kick off with my recommendation because it's a recommendation for film that I haven't seen. But I want you to go watch. <laughs> no, <laughs> the, no. The last one you brought me up on was the kind of Monte Cristo. I had seen it. It was no. just had been about ten years since I'd seen it, <laughs> so I wanted to know if it was still good. No, but um, <laughs> one more review. Yeah. So I my recommendation is a film that's just out this week. I think it's out in the states and here at the same time. It's The Gift. Yeah. With Jason Bateman, Jules Edgerton, and I can't remember who plays the wife. That whole Sam or something come back That's up again. Like, <laughs> thing again. But uh no, it it like when I first seen the trailer for it, it just looked like a kind of standard horror kind of thing. Mm-hmm. As like like I'm not well into horror films and I was just kinda like No. So it wasn't well interesting, but I heard some interesting things about that and it's it's more of like a like a thriller and it's more just about the 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 characters and it's between Gordo and Jason Bateman's character yeah. and how and it's more about the past of what happened between them and I I've only seen the trailer for it and uh it's but the synopsis of the film is that Gordo played by Joel Edgerton who actually wrote and directed the film as well oh okay I don't know that yeah it's his first I think it's his first directing thing but uh he he sees Jason Bateman like out in a shop or something and like they went to school together down Woolworths just I <laughs> just down Woolworths like. <laughs> so uh they went to school together but he's Jason Bateman doesn't recognise Gordo and so that that offends Gordo so, so you know there's a past Why are you referring to Joel Egerton as Gordo is that his that, that's name? his character's that's name that's what I I'm thought saying. there was just some <laughs> weird nickname that you have for Joel Egerton no, that's that, like the fuck is Gordo that's the character name <laughs> right, okay fair enough no so uh, you see in the trailer then like uh, Gordo goes up the Jason. Ba- so I don't know Jason Bateman's character. By name. Gordo, just by Gordo. <laughs> and so, Man. so uh, Gordo goes up to Jason Bateman, and then Jason Bateman's like, "Oh, I didn't even recognize you." Like, so that's really offensive to Gordo because clearly there's a past between Jason mm. Bateman and Gordo mm. that something terrible happened. Right? Clearly, there's a <laughs> clearly there's a past between, between Joel and Jason. Yeah, between, between Joel, Joel Edgerton and Jason, and Jason Bateman. It just when you're saying Gordo, it sounds like you know. Him. <laughs> Let's turn it into a home and away episode. Joel and Jason. <laughs> <laughs> so there's clearly a past between uh, Joel Edgerton and Jason Bateman's character when they were at school. Clearly, Jason Bateman was more like bullying Joel Edgerton or something like that. So. And there's 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 a really terrible line in the in the trailer that I thought sounded shit, but the more I say it, it sounds good. And it's when uh, Joel Edgerton walks away from like seeing uh, Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman says to his wife, "It's like, oh, that's a kid from school. We used to call him Gordo the Weirdo." <laughs> Is that a good li- like? Does that rhyme? It's an awful nickname. Does it rhyme? Though? It doesn't rhyme, and it's an awful nickname. It's like a I half was, rhyme or I something. I was called Dominic the Dominic. <laughs> oh, kids are cruel kids are cruel <laughs> awful people is or that, Dumbo no wait is that not like complimentary like you have a dominating dick 
<laughs> and maybe you must read that illusion. No, that was before, they, they it, was were, be, it was before they were just puberty. All, they were just, just all impressed. Purely, it was purely just <laughs> purely hateful. <Yeah. laughs> purely hateful. They were all jealous, Dom. They were all jealous. They're jealous now. Oh, fuck! That wasn't your leg. Um, but yeah. I'm not going to get too bogged down <laughs> in this fucking trailer because clearly it's gone off the rails. But I've just heard really good things about it. It's a really good thriller. It's it's more about uh, the past between uh, Jason Bateman and Joel Edgerton. I just think it looks really interesting. And it's out in the cinemas. And for all you people that go on about all, all the Hollywood mixes remakes or fucking sequels, but I bet this is a new original film by Joel Edgerton. New director. New director. Go see it. Support smaller Go. films, and they'll make more of them. Surprisingly, uh, yeah. oh. So uh, I'm just going to keep this this buzz about going on and do my recommendation. My recommendation is uh, four months, three weeks, and two days. That's not long. You know, that's not how long I've got left. I love it. Is a two- <laughs> <laughs> it is a 2007 Romanian film about uh, illegal abortions. So uh, of course it's, oh, it's 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 definitely not a date movie. Like. That's definitely up my alley. <laughs> definitely not a date movie. Essentially, I'll just uh, very quickly with a plot. It is set in the nineteen eighties, uh, somewhere in Romania, yes. maybe Bucharest. I'm not quite sure. It's about two. I think they're seventeen, eighteen. They're if not, they're early twenties. Uh, girls. One of the girls finds out that the other one is pregnant at that time and period. In uh, Romania, it was illegal to get an abortion, Aye. and it is just a phenomenal, phenomenal Does it, drama. They have to try to give up the child. They to have to essentially horrendous no, orphanages. Not even so much that they have to. The, the whole story is that uh, they have to employ a man, this really shady fucker, oh, who comes round and he has to do like a kind of a homemade abortion. And it's it, it, let me. Yes. It, it, yeah, it's yeah. a very grim watch at times, but it is powerful. The mm. acting is phenomenal. Yeah. It is so realistic. It, it it hits you so so hard. And what is even more incredible is that this sort of stuff and people had to go through I, this. That's as, what I like. Yeah, that's as early like. as only fucking no, thirty years ago. That's, that's what I like because we try to, you know, when we look at films, it's like, oh, this is an escape. But sometimes I feel that the best films, the ones that give you are the ones down. that we're, you know, you forcing us to look what's going on in human society not just our own which is you know we're sitting here in a a lovely comfortable den in well in the bog side which has had its fair share of troubles Mm. but out there there's Mm. there's some really really compared romania 1980s like i was saying phenomenal acting really realistic the storyline in general, which is just informed by history, and that you know it harks back to what Dominic was saying earlier on about about history, is so so well realized, and it's it it just gives you this feeling and atmosphere that you're there with them in that time mm. period. It's so claustrophobic. Most of it is set in these sort of Romanian, uh, small dingy council flats and council houses, Aye. and it just feels like for all these people, there's no escape from this country under the sort of communist and almost fascist rule yeah. under crack and film. Definitely, definitely recommended. Like I say. Prepare yourself beforehand because yes. it's, you know it's not an easy watch at times. But you know sometimes it's not all about superhero films. You need to be punched in the arm. I'm, I'm going to be the cheerleader for that film. That's why I'm such a miserable person <laughs> to be around because that's the kind of film I love to watch. Yeah, well, definitely. If you've seen it, if not, then definitely give it a go. So, Dom, since you were going on earlier about what they used to call it at school, no condom jokes. No, con- <laughs> no condom jokes. Yeah, oh, like Cal Dominic. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, because I we can't tell listeners. I have big ears, so basically people would That's just beautiful. just pick my ears up and say I've won the FA Cup. <laughs> so if, if you follow the English Premier League, then you'll know what the FA Cup looks like. <laughs> <laughs> or just just any cup, really. <laughs> <laughs> Massive spike in Google Google images after this podcast goes out of images of the FA Cup for our American and uh, maybe maybe countries here in Toronto football. So, Dominic, recommendation. My, my film recommendation. Now, I'm sure many of our listeners have probably watched this film. I watched Killer Joe mm. last night. So good. I really enjoyed right. that film. I really enjoyed that film. Uh, I watched it because I knew I was coming on the podcast. Yeah. And so I, I put all my full attention into it. It was schooling himself. And I, I, I was watching it and thinking, oh, this is, this is more like a play. This is more like the study of the characters particular characters now i've i know the the actor who played the father the there was emil emil hirsch emil hirsch emil hirsch now the man who plays his father he's been in several films i can't even remember and i really really enjoyed there was gina gina gershon or gina Gina gershon and then i would say it's it's mcconaughey that was the start of the yeah yeah yeah, that 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 was what i was gonna say yeah i think that was was, the first film the lincoln lawyer the lincoln lawyer is usually seen as the start of the mcconaughey what from the film lincoln no, the Lincoln I lawyer. He was Lincoln's lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, McConaughey was in a film a few years back, just after his rom-com at B's, and he'd done the Lincoln lawyer, which was a departure from it, and then it started the McConaughey. Yeah, because he was just being rom-com, rom... Yeah, yeah. And then I watched him as a killer Jones. This is where the McConaughey... Now, I knew about the McConaughey, and I'd yeah. watched True Detective. Excuse me. I love True Detective. And I could say, this is where the McConaughey... McConaughey. was starting to take the, form. Uh, the McConaughey <laughs> began. Uh, is it uh, Thomas Hayden Church? You're on about Emil Hirsch's dad. Yeah, mm. and he Sideways. he yeah. played that character perfectly, Sam as in mm. not you know not an intelligent man, but at the same time not a stupid man. Like yeah. he was he was a mechanic. He he knew what he was doing with his hands. He was afraid. Yeah. Um, you know, Killer Joe was going. Oh, oh, I don't think about anything. He he never reacted about anything, even though it got to the point where his wife, like, he came to the point where he found out his wife was messing him about, and he said, "I don't know what to do." I I really loved. I loved the, I loved the situation because it was based on a play by I think it's Jared Let or someone Let. Not quite sure. Jared Let. Sure. <laughs> no, not Jared. <laughs> not it was somebody J Let the. He, he was he there. was the writer of the film, but it was also based on his play. Yeah. Now somebody else was a, a director. Tracy Letts. It was Tracy. Uh, it was, uh, it was uh, William Freakin as the director. Okay, William uh, Freakin was the director. Like the Exorcist, he's an absolute master of. And it, it was it was really and it was really it was really dark. Like yeah. uh, Matthew McConaughey sort of shacks up with. I I'm not even sure how old the woman was. Yeah, I think she's. Yeah. De- they definitely try and present that she's at least twenty years older. Just, yeah. just about. But they, they, I was feeling a particularly dark mood yesterday. Mm, sometimes I do, <laughs> not not in a creepy way, but just you know, when, <laughs> when, when you when I, you're sitting did, there. Looking, did you sacrifice a lamb? I, I could easily sacrifice a lamb. He, he on does work on a farm, like. Mm. <laughs> oh yeah, shit. All right, did you kill somebody? <laughs> no, I didn't kill anybody. Huh. Not today. <laughs> not, not that we know yet. <laughs> but 
I really, I really enjoyed. Just pulls out a knife and fucking murders me and shit on the fucking. It, it was, it was oh, hard. Fine. He still uploaded it. It was. <laughs> <laughs> he it wants was... to be caught. <laughs> no, the the reason I liked it was because it got hard to watch. Where Matthew McConaughey's character Killer Joe starts getting really sort of, he really starts dominating the like the trailer park and he starts beating Gina. Mm. Like, oh, I don't know what's going on, and then because it's very darkly comic as well, that made me laugh. Like the way it ended, was it was fantastic for me. And as I think it's it's definitely in, in, in Freakin's Overa that he can do darkness and he can do grimness and and really fucked up situations. But be it, be I don't it know. He, he's still he's still playing a Texan. Yeah, no, no, no. But I'm saying if we Freakin- if we pull him out, if we pull him out of playing a Texan, like in True Detective, he's playing a. Maybe a Texan in Louisiana, which is But I mean, Freakin, as a director, has always been a master, like I was saying, of, of creating these really grim atmospheres. And he is the near enough one of the masters of atmosphere, like The Exorcist, with a bald up, and you don't, you're not quite sure about this possession and stuff like that. And then we we kill our Joe from even the first scene where the door opens and mm. she's standing there and she's semi yeah. naked, and there's just as seediness to that yeah, sort yeah, of trailer park and can, I, you can tell yeah you yeah. can tell where the film's going from there and that seediness and that uneasiness just run through mm. the whole film and like we were saying uh, you know previously sometimes you need that seediness and that, that uh, uneasiness in, in a film because it can't all be just cookie cutter romantic comedies yeah. you know you need a bit of variety but and it, it does it work I, I really watching that film thinking this is more like a play than a film yeah and realising you know, when, when it ended watching the credits it was a based on the play by the same writer so yeah. he just he just turned it Re-adapted into a film his own thing, yeah. essentially. and I was I was I was very happy with that now it's uncomfortable to watch maybe for some people it it kind of made me feel uncomfortable to watch and I, I you know I see I see things dying you're, you're all the a time fucked up as individual. a farmer you know, I see things dying <laughs> as all the time, you know, I see life and death happen all the time but that was uncomfortable to watch and it was it was uncomfortable because Maybe watching Matthew McConaughey being like your your standard hero, that aggressive yeah, and that fucking yeah. full on violent, it, it is actually shocking. Being, being a psychopath, it's actually very rarely he's done a role like that, and mm. it, it does definitely take you out. And it's going back to that thing we we're saying earlier on about the familiarity with an actor. Mm. If you're familiar with an actor, then you're familiar with a certain role he yeah. plays. So that was kind of a wee bit of a departure, especially at that time, just after rom com phase for McConaughey. It definitely pulls you, and I think that actually added a lot to the shock value of the farmers. Yes. Yeah. Even though it doesn't do that well, but yeah, that's your recommendation, Michael Breslin. Okay, and we'll wrap it up there, folks. If you want to get in contact with us, you can find us on Facebook, Let's Talk More Movies Podcast. You can find us on Twitter, at Talk More Movies, or you can email us, Let's Talk More Movies at gmail.com. You can also leave us comments, reviews, rate us, bitch, at iTunes, Stitcher, and any other podcast you like to use. We're also on ACAST, where you can get interactive show notes and links. It's the best place to listen to us. Thank you so much for listening. I have been your host, Michael Breslin. Shan Coyle has been Shan Coyle. Yay! Yeah, yeah. Dom, last name I can't remember, has been Dom. Thailand. Thank you there very you go. much. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. This has been episode 15. 15. Play us out, Ryan Goodbye.
does nobody have anything fun with this? No. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. 